It is live, and welcome, everybody, to the I Want to Believe radio show. I'm your host, Dan Hallwright. With me, as always, is Elmer, the boss man, Boster. We have with us tonight Dr. Michael Lynch, Ph.D., paranormal research investigator. Oh, geez, you have so many hats and so many titles. You've been on with us many times over the years. It's been at least a year, I think, since we had you back on. And uh, Maybe. It might might have been. Time just flies with me. One day it's Monday, the next day it's a month later. I, I, you know, I have missed so much missing time. I can't even remember it all. So, right, um, right. Well, I'm trying well, to get you guys set set up here. So I, I'm looking. Keep, oh, I keep got it. Okay, around. Hang on, yeah, just, we're we're good. Yeah, uh, just a, just a second. Let me get this. So everybody, as, as he's doing that, we're getting the show started. Yeah. Before we get to do, uh, Dr. Michael Lynch, um, I would like to remind everybody of our sponsors, uh, one of them being Henderson Castle, hendersoncastle.com. Go over there and check it out. It's an 1895 bed and breakfast in Kalamazoo, Michigan. So if you come here for so- any such reason, or maybe you just want to see the house, uh, you can stay there. And yours truly does once a month. I do historic ghost tours, historic dinner ghost tours. And... Uh, we have a lot of fun. Also, Gun Barrel Coffee. You've had the rest. Try the best. Gun Barrel Coffee. Uh, I just had some today. And uh, always a good time. Go to gunbarrelcoffee.com. Proceeds of all their sales go to help veteran administration uh, organizations and charities. They have a ton of them. It'd take me an hour to list them all. I do know that one of them is Wounded Warrior and another one is uh, Tol Valhalla. Uh, they help out with those folks over there. It's a great cause. And um, I least, but uh, not last, but it is last and it's not least, um, Southern Michigan Paranormals and the uh, Midwest Parahistorical Society um, now support this program. And uh, we're, we're thankful for those paranormal investigators and what they do. Uh, Dr. Lynch, it's been forever, as I, as I said at the beginning of the program, as we came on live, it's been a long time since we've had you back on. And I always love our talks because it'll start here and then it's over here and then it's back in the middle and then it goes off into other areas. But I wanted to focus on UFOlogy, you know, this new thing that's going on. I, I won't call it new because you and I and many other people know knew that UFOs are real um, oh, and, yeah. and extraterrestrials. What? And, yeah, what? What do you mean? This is brand- <laughs> That's news to me. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. No way. <laughs> Yeah, Elmer, you get, you're supposed to believe your media. They t- always tell you the truth, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like Ukraine, you, you know, who doesn't yeah. harvest a lot of the um, chemical stuff. Um, anyway, it's his point. Uh- <laughs> yeah, right. They, right. The, the news will always tell you the truth 20 years too late, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. we're, you know, the, the real, the truth is about 20 years behind or 20 years ahead of us. We'll understand that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the only thing these guys get in real time is war. We were in Afghanistan for 20 years. Every night it was uh, broadcast, uh, just like the Vietnam War. You know, the Vietnam War was actually about three days old by the time we got the news. Yeah, it's good Um, press. Yeah. You know, so, you know, and then the press defunds itself and merges with other, you know, agencies and, Therefore, you have everyone saying the same thing. It's just a little different spin to give them their unique brand, you know. Uh, so Fox News is the same story as MSNBC, but we've got to twist it just a little bit, you know. And that's what gives them their brand, you know. That's why Elmer is such a DC fan when everybody else is Marvel, you see. Or is it the other way around? I'm Either a DC fan. Way. I'm a I DC mean, fan. I, right I like now, them all. Still, 
recovering. I'm still recovering over the multiverse bullshit. I mean, excuse my language. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Aren't we all, man? Aren't we all? I mean, when they have made so much money, Marvel has made so much money, and then they decide to say, oh, wait a minute, we got to make some loser movies so that we can twist it on our taxes as a write-off. <laughs> got to balance so the let's have doctors. Let's have Doctor Strange do all this multiverse stuff. Yeah. Like no one read those comic books because it was like, oh, you had to get every series, every issue. I don't even think Stan Lee read the whole multiverse collection with Doctor Strange in it. I mean, because it was changing. Like every every other issue is like there's no consecutive storyline here. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and it's whatever forbid, they wanted to be. You tell anybody what Stan Lee had really said about like you know certain characters that were created in you know in his company because he knew he was trying to make you know different versions of some DC people. He he said it. I've seen him on camera saying it. So the, the standard of it is, is that, you know, when I said balancing the wagon, you know, it's, I don't know, it's a weird thing. I don't, you'd want to think maybe the fans yelled loud enough, like how many times you guys have to reinvent Spider-Man. Then we can yell yeah. at DC and say, how many times you have to reinvent Superman and Batman? Come on. Batman. The, the new Batman movie, I, I do want to see. I have a little, you know, passion for Batman, but you know, it's already, I mean, he's already dark enough. You don't need to make him extra dark, you know, unless he's a vampire. And that's yeah. kind of what they're, yeah. he's looking like a goth the vampire. That's what my daughter's calling him. She goes, oh, yeah, I'm not going to go see the new Batman with Vampire Boy. So I'm like, yeah, okay, I mean, whatever. Look, <laughs> whatever. He's going to sparkle, okay? He's going to shine. You know, he's going to sparkle <laughs> and he's going to shine. That was a Twilight I, joke thing. You're supposed to I, laugh at that. I, I trust you. I, I really do. I really trust you. But I'm like saying, well, you know, maybe I'm getting a little bit too old, you know, you know but you're not. You just, always look the same every time you come on. <laughs> I, I swear he's got some he's got some sort of booth he goes into and it keeps him young. He's a yeah, time traveler. It's called a spaceship. And uh, yeah, it does go back and forward in time. So, you know, well, uh, there you have no, it, we can talk. We Pardon? pardon? So there you have it, folks. You said you had a spaceship. Oh. Oh, I wish I did. I wish I did. I wish yeah, I me had. Too. Um, I wish you'd quit like abducting me too. That it's getting a little <laughs> off. You know, at least call me the next morning. <laughs> I know. I, that, you know before, we, a, before we get a, started on the yeah, go on the alien and the and the stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. That reminds mm -hmm. me of a joke. And I'll I'll this will be the last time I, I interrupt and I insert, I promise. Oh no, no, so, no. Go ahead. That's fine. I just saw I saw a comedian. His 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 last name is Gregory. He's touted on YouTube as like the funniest man in America. He's an older guy, you know. He's his weight's gone up and down, and and uh, he he talked about how he doesn't believe in UFOs. Now he's saying that with tongue in cheek, you know. He believes in mm -hmm. UFOs, but his joke goes that, you know, why is it that they've been coming here all these years, and when they show up, they land next to a pig farmer in Arkansas, <laughs> and then he imitates he the guy. He's like, "Yeah, I was out there feeding hogs, and I saw it. I sure did. I saw it." Yeah, it, it goes into a thing. But anyway, we're here to talk about UFOs and, and aliens. Yeah, but and there's there's something to that. Why <laughs> do tornadoes always go to trailer parks? You know, it's right. it's just it's just been a few in the past few years that they've actually gone to housing districts. Yeah, you know, and hit major cities, yeah. urban areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was you're, always you know trailer right. parks. It was always true. It was you know you always read um, tornado hits trailer park. It's like what you know? What what caused all that? You know, just tornadoes just inevitably hate trailers, and they're just going to go for that and mess them all up. That, that's anyway, funny you say that. That's just yeah, another. You know, I 
that's just another no, thing. No, you're right. You you were absolutely right. There were many yeah. things that would happen to me in my life, and I I used to just say Murphy's Law because you figured you know <laughs> if this is the thing it's attracted to and it's going to happen, I'm going to be right there. It's going to happen yeah. to me. It's going to happen to other people. It's that's that's just a weird oddity. Maybe we are living in a matrix. You know? Oh, we are. We definitely are. Um, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but uh, I uh, we <clears throat> everyone talks to me about the matrix and where's consciousness and stuff like that. Right. And really, the the matrix comes from um, Max Planck. Max Planck made the smallest, or or theoretically, the smallest Max Planck link that there is and the the way our uh reality works is through a via a quasi crystal a quasi crystal is incredibly small so when energy passes through or around the quasi crystal it actually you can actually see it for the first time you can actually see it so this quasi-crystal is like in a triangle. Let's say it's a triangle or a prism, prismatic effect. And when energy passes through it, it illuminates. Well, this is the digital matrix like your television set. So the, the pixels in your television set or your video monitor or whatever, are, 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 are energy is applied to that and then it radiates the energy or translates right. the energy right. so that we can see it as pictures and this is exactly the way the universe works the universe feeds in energy and then the carbon elements in our universe transcribe that energy into something that we can see and if you look at the entire universe you know the entire universe um is a uh, carbon making machine it's just a carbon making machine and it just sits there and that's all it does is makes carbon and you go well why does the universe always make carbon because we're carbon-based animals ourselves and there's carbon-based life forms throughout the galaxy all the planets that we can see are carbon-based you know diamonds are carbon-based coal is carbon-based so um it is because when the energy goes through it the carbon-based construct, then it actually becomes a digital matrix. And then that is really what we're seeing. Um, back in the old days, I'm going to date my age here. Back in the old days, they said, we should never build a camera more than 720, uh, you know, HD. 720 HD should be the maximum we'll ever build a video camera. Well, they went, kept going on. And what happens is, is that as soon as you get past 720 or or Blu-ray status, the eye can't see all of the range of colors and uh, selection of that's there. So if, when you get to the 4K or 8K camera and you're looking at it, you're missing half the data. It's just going over your head. Your eyes just don't see it. So um, so here's, here's the question is, where did all that come from? Well, it may have came from uh, a spaceship that the occupants had better eyesight, more receptors, more cones and rods in our eyes, more neural material, and then they could see all the variations. So there's a, there was a commercial on not too long ago, and I think it was uh, George Takai was in the commercial, and he was advertising that this new uh, television could see yellow, and they actually had a yellow fish you know, floating through it. And he says, oh, but you can't see yellow because you're, television doesn't have yellow in it. 
it only has three colors, not four. And yellow has always been the fourth color that we, right. I was trying to uh, capture. So, <clears throat> so there are colors that, that we just can't see because we're looking at, at three colors. Or if you throw in more colors, the spectrum, we'll still miss half of it because it goes over our head. <clears throat> our eyes just don't have the capability, <clears throat> excuse me, the capability to see those colors anyway. So it becomes a battle <clears throat> that we're just 1.0, okay? Maybe the next kids will be 2.0 and they'll be able to see all this stuff, you know, virtual reality and everything. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I've often <clears throat> asked that, you know, I, I was aware that, yeah, we did talk about that long back when you were on. Uh, we talked a little bit about that yeah. and I'm, I'm amazed by that too. And it's part of, you know, I would say that in layman terms, it's part of a, a little bit of a lecture that I give when I do events, paranormal events. And I tell people right. about existence, right. you know, because I'm a Tesla guy. I'm a guy that tells them, listen, you know, frequency, energy, you know, and vibration. Right. And then I go into that explanation, just, just as you said, that everything in this room is moving. We just can't see it. Our, our perception is very and restricted due to certain things, you know, the way we're built. And I get, yes. you know, I get this look. You know, they kind of follow me. They kind of follow me. But then again, they don't. But I'm just trying to lay it out. Some people get it, you know that uh yeah. it's it, it's in response to some paranormal things that we experience too but um you know back to what you're saying you know as far as ufos go you know the 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 and everybody's using the uap and and i know a gentleman in australia who was using that way before uh, uh elmer has met uh damien damien was on our show and he'd been using that for quite a few years down in australia and then now all of a sudden us started using the term and they said, well, we're, we're the first to use it, and we made it up. I'm thinking, no, that's not true. <laughs> but where I'm going with this is that they now release all this stuff saying, well, the stuff is real. you know." And we all had been saying for since 47, obviously it's real. Um, craft that are doing things you know, that, that we possibly can't explain. And I laughed at this documentary, Doctor. I can't remember this fellow's name. It was a, like a 60 minutes type documentary. They're, they do a series of them out of Australia. And they had this gentleman on there that, that he's convinced that it's, it's one of the world powers, like Russia, China, or somebody who's developed something that we don't quite know about, which is almost unbelievable because we all spy on each other. Um, and it's doing the things that, that these things do. I, and I almost laughed. And fell out of my chair. And my wife's like, what's the matter? I said, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Have, you know, we've seen video of these objects. I mean, if anybody were to have something like that, you think we'd be the first. You know, I just don't buy that. Uh, China. Yeah, bullcrap. <laughs> bullcrap. Um, I, um, I don't want to get out of school here, out of turn. But uh, it's been happening since prehistoric times. Correct. I correct. mean, the UFO phenomenon, yeah, the UA, UAP phenomenon has been happening for thousands of years. Correct. And it even goes back in time to the Anunnaki that came to Earth and created us. They took um, what we'd say is Homo erectus, more or less, and they installed their DNA into Homo erectus. And then they couldn't cultivate it that way. So they created uh, a, a smaller worker being. And that's us. And the Anunnaki were giants. I mean, they were like, you know, 10, 20, you know, 15 feet tall. 
So they were giants compared to us, mm. but but they made us for, for to be their slaves, just to work the land, till the soil, uh, get into the gold mines, you know, go for gold and stuff like that. We were the the workers. We were designed this way, but inadvertently, as all great crazy scientists go, they give their creations a little bit too much identity. And so we were able to, our brains caught up with us and we were able to govern ourselves, becoming a self-governed uh, entity. And so the Anunnaki after a time, after they could not stay on the earth any longer, they left, but then they set up an organizations or organizations to say, okay, uh, Joe Smith, you're going to be king, and we will need gold. So in 10 years or 20 years, we'll be back, and we're going to take the gold. So you right. have to build up an entire society for gold production and refinement. And so they just select somebody. They set up a whole a tribe, tribal council, and off they go. They're doing the same thing, and it gets handed down. So the, the Sumerians do it. The Babylonians do it. The Egyptians do it. And what are they doing? All they're doing is creating fields of grain, wheat, and irrigating them right. with fresh water. And then they go off to the coal mines and they're digging into the ground, the dirt for, for gold. Now, it says in the book of Genesis, Eden, right next to Eden, is where there's good gold deposits. What does Adam and Eve have to do with gold? Yeah, they don't what even would know they, what clothes they are, let alone finance. <laughs> yeah, what would they use you know that what? for? Right. Oh, I, I, <clears throat> yeah, I need to go dig some gold because I'm going to uh, build a house from the Anunnaki here. No, no, it didn't, it didn't exist. Writing did not exist. But it's there and it says, it's like a, an abbreviation of a story that everybody already knows. <clears throat> oh, yeah, um, we were sent here to dig, I mean, we were created to dig gold for the gods. And they'll and they'll be back, and then you have the uh, yeah, that Aztecs. Makes, the, you're right. That makes a lot of and the mines. You just, you, yeah, you just hit what I was going to tell you. That makes a lot of sense because mm -hmm. across the board with most of these cultures, they were all mining gold, and they were using the ceremonies. And yeah, yeah, you're right. It was worship. When the right. conquistadors came over, they thought, "Oh, the gods have returned. The white gods have returned." So we're going to get all this gold for them. We're going to, you know, uh, compile it. Well, it didn't satisfy the conquistadors. They wanted it all. Yeah. And, and see, and they were going to put it down into coins. So the whole thing is you have the Mayans, the Aztecs, the, the <clears throat> Egyptians, uh, some parts of China, and a lot of, a lot of South America. And there are mines in Michigan right now of copper deposits where someone came over and took out the copper from these deposits. And they you can go there now and see the remnants of that digging process. And it would have taken thousands of people, thousands yeah. of people. Yeah. Well, um, that's what started the Bronze Age, was the copper from Michigan. And that's why you have all these guys, like the Knights Templar, you have um, Columbus, with all these stories about not getting a shortcut to India um, or the spice trade, but it's going to a place where there's enormous wealth because it's wealth in minerals. And then that's what they're really coming for. 
was mineral wealth and, and diet because you could grow things in South America, Mexico, Southern America that you could not grow in England at all or Spain or whatever. Right. So a lot of things was, first it was like, where's the gold? And the next was, well, we don't have any gold, but we have corn. Well, what do you do with corn? Well, you know, and it, and it goes on from there. So, um, so somehow, somewhere, somehow, some, some way, gold was implanted in our minds. The first map ever made was from the city of one of the, uh, the city in Egypt to the gold mine. And that was the first map ever drawn up by the Egyptians was its way to the gold. You know, the gold is here. Right. And they would send out armies to go and get that gold and refine it. And then when the Romans came in and they wanted to annex Egypt or just take it over, they just said, yeah, look at all this gold, you know. And it was, and again, the Romans were continuing the process of saying that it's worth its weight in gold. So you would put a cow on this side of the scale and gold on this side. So you put three, four gold bars over here and you'd balance it out. And that's its weight. That's right. the weight of the cow. So that these sayings that we say today, so, you know, ever so casually was implanted in us 437,000 years ago. Right. And they're still with us today. And look at the gold market keeps going up. Inflation of paper money, you know, keeps driving the, the money down. Yeah. Everyone goes to silver and gold, palladium. I mean, these are rare earth minerals. And somewhere deep in our, you know, in our past memory, someone told us to go and dig that up. Now, do you think that with this alien connection to, you know, you brought up the Romans and let's go back to the Greeks, you know, I've often <clears throat> believed, you know, I'm a student of Danikin. I think that he was right in a lot of levels. Um, but I, I also believe that, you know, all these gods like Zeus and all these people that they, they spoke of that they prayed to, I don't think they were so much made up. I think that these might've been real entities, maybe not of those names because you know how bad we've screwed up understanding languages oh, yeah. and, you know, and, and, oh, yeah. and Latin in and of itself. Um, but is there some truth to maybe those being, you know, the, the giants and them having powers, which would be that yeah. they were able to manipulate energy and do certain things. So to, you know, us, it would look like yeah. they had these, these special powers. Okay. Here, here's a prime example. Here's a prime example of this. And okay. We look at Zeus mm -hmm. and Zeus is equal to Odin. Odin and Zeus are interchangeable. They had an offspring. One was Thor. Yep. The other one was Hercules. They had to do, they had to do their missions in order to become better at, at being gods, being kings or gods. Now, this all goes back to the books of Gilgamesh. And Gilgamesh had uh, 10 trials. Hercules had 12 trials for Gilgamesh to become uh, a godlike. Because Gilgamesh was two-thirds two god and one-third human. And Marduk was the same thing. Marduk was two-thirds god and one-third human. And they had to prove themselves either through battle or whatever. And so in the books of Gilgamesh, they're giants. They are, he is, he is a giant. Yeah. Okay. He is a giant. I mean, I can't say that any other way. And even in the Old Testament, you go back to the Old Testament, the Jews, the, 
the Jews were conquered by Babylon. And they're taken back to Babylon. And then there's a, there's a big feast. There's a celebration in Babylon. And, and they, the, the nation of Babylon comes out, which is like a city-state. It's not really right. big, that big, but it's a city-state. So they go out, and they have to bow to Marduk. Okay, Marduk is a statue of a human being, of a humanoid. And it's almost identical to his size, which would make a lion in Africa, a, a, a real lion, looked like a kitty cat to him. So, so in that scale. And so everyone, everyone bows down. And there's one Jewish, Jewish guy who goes, hell, I'm not going to bow down. He goes, that's not my God. You know, he says, oh, please, you know, the king's uh, begging him, you know, bow down. I'll have to kill you because it's, it's sacrosanct. You, you, can't, right. you can't not deny Marduk. You know, Marduk is our king. Well, Marduk, like Gilgamesh, was the last children to become kings, which then become gods. And this is where we get screwed up. Because, because it's always been told to us that God selects kings. That's true. See what I'm saying? Oh, to yeah. rule. Yep. To rule. That, that monarchy thing, yeah. Exactly. And this is the reason why we, okay, when you're, if someone tells you that God, the big creator, sits on a throne, you've got it wrong. He doesn't sit on a throne, okay? Um, it's so screwed up. But see, only someone who is mimicking God sits on a throne. And if you're on his right hand, you're blessed. Well, why? Because the right hand is the hand that does everything. Even in Arabic, if you lose your right hand, it's better to starve than eat with your left. So, so everything on the right hand was approved by God. Everything on the left hand was not so approved. I mean, you may be sitting there, but you're not really proving. So right. when you sit at the table, when you sit at the table, those that sit on the right, the king has ordained or blessed. You know, you're in, you're in my confidence. You know, I'll take care of you, uh, especially in the court. If you're on the left, which mainly women were on the left, then you were just a secondary citizen, you see. Right. And we still pertain to that today. I mean, that is still yep. deep in our subconscious. God picks leaders. Uh, no, it's not the God, because the gods were the kings and leaders of their people, which they had created. So, so <clears throat> no matter where you go, I mean, okay, now I'm going to jump back and forth through time a little bit here. But no matter where you go, if you go back 437,000 years to the Anunnaki creating us, that's UFO, extraterrestrial intervention, okay? You can go in today where people are being abducted and they're given new genetic coding um, so that they become uh, immune resistant. Um, David, Ad Adair, David Adair, David Adair, Adair, yeah. okay, when he was born, he was O negative. And, and, and the doctors thought he was going to die because he had... Uh, low oxygen count. He was like a blue, they call him a blue baby, very low oxygen count. Well, they put him in an incubator machine, just had been invented, and they put him in this incubator machine. And when they checked his blood again, he was AB negative. So genetically, <laughs> that's impossible. That is impossible. Yeah. How does that happen? 
Okay, now David Adair says he doesn't know if he's an alien, uh, alien baby, or, mm. or or whatever the thing is. But his mother always says, you know, um, you're not my kid, but I, it's been a pleasure to raise you. But her, his own mother said, you're strange. You're a strange little dude, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it gets spooky. I, I wonder how but many David people did, really, really feel that way, too. You know, I, I maybe not so much that big change, you know, with, you know, uh, blood type, which I've heard the story before. I've heard some people come on right. coast to coast. I've heard I've, we've had a person on our show three, four yeah. years back uh, that she was she well, she was on coast to coast. She came on our show and she was that lady, I forget her name, and she woke up and uh, she kind of had this weird thing where she felt that she had transposed, you know, universes. Like she was in a parallel existence, woke up over here. But um, yeah. she said that her her blood type had changed too once she felt that she'd made the jump to being here from a parallel existence of Earth. I don't know if that... Correct. It doesn't kind of ring into the alien thing, but then again, that's just kind of a weird connection but there's a lot of people that report being abducted too i mean it's just a it's a thing i had a, a guest on here tell elmer was here she told me i had been abducted abducted and it still happens and i'm i'm clueless if it really if it's really a thing that's happening and, and i am a nobody i don't you know there's no ruling any part of the world or anything with me but isn't that interesting too that it's not like they're picking off well maybe they are but they're that they're picking up people who you don't really I, maybe I'm wrong. I, Big farmers to, in Arkansas, man. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm trying to formulate this <laughs> question, and I'm, I'm butchering it. So everybody, bear with me. What I was trying to ask is, you know, they would pick just somebody, let's, you know, like me or Elmer, and you know, we have our life and and things that that happen in a domino effect around us. You know, whatever we do, it starts a chain that affects different people. But I mean, we don't affect the world. Does that make sense? How come they're not picking up well, famous people, and or are they? That's the thing, though. They're not gonna. They're not gonna miss. You know, they're not gonna miss me, but they might miss Donald Trump. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like one of those things. It's like you pick your poison. Do you? Do you? It's like when you're on a budget. Do you want the fancy beer or do you want the cheap beer? I got two fifty. Right. Which one can I afford? That's funny. Well, well, I wish that they would come get that Biden beer rather quickly. It's it's spoiled. Oh yeah. All right. Anyway, um, back to the aliens. Yeah. Okay. Now. <clears throat> Let's just look at it from our point of view as as, as human beings. Right. Um, we go out into Africa into these game reserves and we'll anesthetize with a with a dart gun uh, a cheetah. Okay, and we'll take its blood and two other things, and then when the you know the cheetah's asleep, so when it wakes up, it doesn't know really what has happened. <laughs> right. It just sees it. Yeah. Yeah. And we could sometimes we put a, a tracking device on it, a little collar around its neck. And then, so it wakes up as this collar and, you know, he's totally oblivious of what happened. So we get the genetic DNA from that one cheetah. But that genetic DNA is just not quite enough for us to run all of our experiments on. So we right. need to find another cheetah. And, and then pretty soon, after a process of elimination, you, you have the entire cheetah pride uh, DNA. You have all their blood samples and all their DNA samples. And then you can say, oh, wow, I've got the entire pride, the entire tribe uh, of DNA. And now we can start selecting, now rearranging that, yeah, that, that DNA yeah. to make us superhuman or right. super soldier or right. whatever. Uh, okay. Now, 
um, let's just say, okay, let's just say for happenstance, we have 20,000 um, groups of DNA, uh, you know, almost 20,000 pairs of groups of DNA um, in our DNA. And that is pretty simple. I mean, we have octopi, octopi and other animals on the planet that have more DNA than we do. And these octopi can cloak themselves. They can change colors. They can do a lot of things. A chimpanzee has more DNA than we do. Yeah, more yeah. genes, more DNA. <clears throat> okay. And then for a long time, about 40% or 50% of most of our DNA was junk DNA. We had no idea what it was for. And it's for adaptability. But, but we have to wait for certain cues in our environment for that to happen. And so it will help protect us from solar flares, radiation, stuff like this. Okay. So, so if you have a malleable genetic code, gene code, then you can start integrating other DNA into it to make it stronger. So, okay. So let's just say, let's just say we have 20 pairs of DNA. We have 20, 20,000 20, pairs of DNA. Okay. Now we meet a Pleiadian. Okay, let's just take for example. They have 30,000. Okay, an Andromedan may have like 50,000 because they've been playing with their DNA for tens of thousands of years to make a stronger space-faring race. For us, to, when we go into space, there's a lot of problems that happen. There's a lot of problems that happen to our bones, our, our blood, our heart, uh, when we're in space for a long period of time. But if we could alter our DNA so that we could um, stay in space longer, uh, then we would have, have a better chance of survivability. Now, okay, so out in, the, out in the galaxy, out in our galaxy, we found some other Earth-like planets, M-class right. planets. Okay. okay, but we could not go there. We could not go there because... We're, we have no immunity for the flora and fauna that's there. Okay, uh, I, have a, I have trouble with oak pollen. Oak pollen, it just clogs me up. It's that yellow stuff that falls yeah. on your car and makes everything kind of orangish green or whatever, yellow green. Okay, so I'm allergic to oak pollen. So what if I went to another planet uh, and th there was a plant there, like ragweed on that planet or oak pollen on that planet, that I was allergic to, I have no immunity or resistance. So to get to Star Trek, where they're beaming down on planets with no uh, exosuit, uh, suit, with no exosuit, they already have to have some type of immunity built up in their system so they can land on that planet, so they can be beamed down and beamed back up. Um, uh, Disinfecting. Oh, that's, the reason, that's the reason why Shatner didn't catch anything. Actually, yeah, that's, that, that's uh, right. Yeah, he had, a, he had okay. immunity to syphilis. He, yeah, he never got gonorrhea. space PD. Yeah, no he space got, No, no <laughs> space tooties. I, 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 I just had to clear that up because I kind of figured, you know, yeah. he would catch some kind of space itchy crotch Tooties. syndrome. I'm, or I'm glad wow. that. I'm glad that he mentioned that because, you know, I used to think that when I'd watch that show when I was younger. I was like, you know, how can they just beam down? I know they had the filter system in the transporter they had talked about that many times that they wouldn't bring anything up that's harmful but you guys that's are beaming right. down 
but there's other things and plants. And of course, the security guys were the first guys to find out how dangerous rocks and that's, plants were. That's right. But, but, you know, as he's saying, I used to wonder, it's like, well, did, do they take special pills or have they had, you know, a reconstruct of their system to where now they're, they can go on these things and they're not allergic to anything, you know, hence, the, yeah. hence the Star Trek movie where, uh, you know, Kirk was having a birthday and he's alert, allergic to retinox six, I guess is what Dr. McCoy says. Yeah. And he yeah. gives it to everybody else and it clears up their vision, but he can, he's got to wear glasses. One of those types of things. That's right. Yeah. That's funny. Reading glasses. That, that's, yeah. I, I, that's I think it's very yeah. funny because even today you'll be watching TV and they'll say uh tagament for indigestion or, or they'll give you some new product that's out and ask your doctor about it. But the side effects are uh, bleeding ulcers, uh, bleeding <laughs> yeah. from your, rec you know, sudden your rectum, death. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. sudden death, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. palpitations. I mean, the list of ingredients, I mean, this list of side effects that a person may endure under this, under some of these newer products is uh, outstanding. I would never put that on the market. No, no matter, it's nuts. No matter, it, yeah. It's nuts. I don't, you care, don't, I don't care. So we yeah. become the test, we become the test animals for this stuff. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's Maybe like you well, you're rad weed. I might just go buy a landmine and I'll sit on that and see if that cures it. That's that's how exactly. stupid it is with exactly. some of these side effects. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I, I get what you're saying. We're gonna take a so, quick break, everybody. Oh. I want everybody to hang on. A doctor, please hang with us. We're gonna take our first break here in the show. You're listening to I Wanna Believe Radio and watching I Wanna Believe Radio with Dan Hallroyd, Elmer Boston, of course, Dr. Michael Lynch, PhD. And uh you guys uh, who are watching us at home will stick with us for a bit. Those of you listening, we're going to take a break, and we're going to listen to some rock and roll music and some PSAs. And don't forget uh, Gun Barrel Coffee, right? Don't forget Gun Barrel Coffee, gunbarrelcoffee.com. I love this crowd. We love this place. We love this crowd. We're going to go back in time a little bit. This is our second album. That's like, that's like 12 albums ago. Had my share of trouble Had my share of pain I picked myself up so many times Been knocked down again But one thing I know One thing I found a good man down I want a lot of money baby right now can't be the dime had myself a real good job now all I have is time and I don't worry I don't worry You can't, you can't, you can't 
keep a good man down Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> my mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Thoughts of suicide may feel impossible to overcome, but with help and support, you can find hope and meaning. Call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK to speak to a counselor or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. It's free, it's confidential, it's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And even if it feels like it, you're not alone. Take a stand. Take a stand. Take a stand. Like my brother did, when he wouldn't take no for an answer. Like my wife did, when she asked the right questions. Like my friend did, when she made the call. You stood by us when we were in uniform, so stand by us now. Take a stand for those who served our country. If you're a veteran in crisis, or no one who is, the Confidential Veterans Crisis Line is here for you. Call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Chat at veteranscrisisline.net or text 838-255. Hey, you listening to this podcast, I've got a message for you. If you've drank the rest, now drink the best. Gun Barrel Coffee. We are the Gun Barrel Coffee Incorporated team. We are united by the love of coffee, guns, freedom, and America. What started as a hobby has turned into a high-quality home-roasted coffee, enjoyed by family, friends, and now the public. We are proud to donate a portion of our proceeds to the organizations who support those who serve, those who protect and defenders of our rights and freedom. Accept no other substitutes. You've had the rest. Now drink the best. Gun Barrel Coffee. You can find the guys at GunBarrelCoffee.com. Saturday, August 20th, 2022. Coming to Hartford, Michigan at the Van Buren Poorhouse Museum, it's Ghostorama. Ghostorama is a one-of-a-kind event. It's a paranormal meet and greet slash flea market slash comic-con car show and much much more there'll be paranormal groups the ghostbusters the mystery machine spooky vendors live band ghost tour jurassic park killer cars food truck disc jockey historical museum kid haunted house and much more van buren county historical museum that's right out at 58471 red arrow highway Hartford, michigan 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. 
It's an outdoor market, which is free to the public. That's right. You heard me. It's open to the public. There'll be a museum tour, $5 per person. Also, from 9 to 11, a ghost tour, $20 per person. That's right. ghost Rama is hitting West Michigan Saturday, August 20th, 2022 at the Hartford Van Buren Poorhouse Museum. This is sponsored by Southern Michigan Paranormals, unrestrictedradio.com, the Great Lakes Ghostbuster Coalition, How to Halloween, Frankenfest, and the Midwest Parahistorical Society.
long time But my time is finally near And I will see my dream come alive at last I will touch the sky And they're not gonna hold me down no more No, they're not gonna change my mind Cause I've got faith of the heart And hey, everybody, as you're watching us live, we're, we're, we're taking our first break. As you see, we, we don't go anywhere. We just sit in the studio and stare at each other uh, and everybody's home. Um, it's all good. It's all good. And we are back, everyone. Thanks for joining us here. And I want to believe uh, I'm Dan and there's Elmer. And we got uh, Dr. Michael Lynch, Ph.D. with us, paranormal researcher. And he's talking about, you know, this aliens and DNA and. Uh, we started out with UFOs, and we're going to get there. I promise we'll get to the UFO part. I'm always, I'm always, oh, oh, yeah, I'm always infatuated with you discussing, you know, the, you know, the, the aliens, I guess, or should we say our visitors? Because when you were on with us last, and as you've already said a couple of names, you know, the <laughs> Andromedans, yeah, the, yeah. Androm- the Andromedans, yeah. and and what was the, the other one that you yeah. mentioned? Uh, Pleiadians. Yeah, the Pleiadians. Um, you know, and and we had talked about that before. How many, how many of these races, I mean, do you believe in, a lot of people believe this. I see it on Gaia all the time. How many races are here that are stationed here? And it seems like some are protectors, some are neutral, and some are not so nice. Okay. Uh, think of it. Now, I know there's, there's 67 species now. Wow. wow. Uh, uh, just a few years ago, there was only 57. But think of it like the UN. And this is the best way it was described to me is that when more and more races develop hyper or transwarp drive, they can cross the universe very quickly. And then they can interact better because they've all reached a certain scientific and intellectual state. Yeah, much like, and when they reach yeah. a when they reach a certain height, they then go into diplomacy. And they need things for their civilization, just like we need gasoline and water and right. Um, beer resources, and whatever yeah. else yeah yeah and so food, yep. and just like our markets on earth where we trade and you know buy and sell uh we buy resources we sell a finished commodity it's the same thing in their world at the same time but they're on a thousand different planets see the human race is only on 14 so we're we're playing catch-up i mean we're we're really playing catch-up hard and these guys have already taken minerals, like let's say like, like gold or silver, and they have refined it into computer parts, into a final product. So, so when we say, uh, you know, Apple or PC, uh, we have two choices for computers or computing. They may have a hundred choices, and 
all these hundred choices needed need parts and replacement parts and upgrade software and all this that goes together. So when we go online and we're looking to buy our next new computer, we we have well, is it an Apple? Is it an iPhone? Is it an Android? Yeah, is it a PC? Yeah, we're restricted to what it is that we know and we can build. Right. Exactly. Right. Well, in because of the different language situations and the different uh, mental factors their computers are designed more for them personally as a personal extension let's just say a personal extension and so in their world now i know this through the billy meyer case is that there was a group of aliens that um put uh chips in their head they put chips in their head and then they could access by thinking about it, I really don't know how it works. I don't really know where what part of the skull it's in, but then they can access a computer on board their ship and download whatever you know. You could ask them like, "What's the atomic weight of lead?" or or or, or you know, "How is a penicillin used?" or like like an Alexa. Yeah, yeah. And that you know, like we have Alexa today or an Echo today, um, they have that chip in their head, and no matter where they're at, they can just think this question like you know do i cut the red wire or the blue wire and the computer will will go right back and say oh no please cut the the blue wire because the red wire will blow you up and and and, and what you're saying too you know it seems to be that you advocate i mean i advocate it because i believe it and I, I believe you're saying it too is that you know they have different physics and different math than we do and we understand and i've tried to tell my friend who's a physicist and an engineer it's like listen dude you know, we only we invented our own math and our own physics. It, it didn't show up in a book and drop out of space. We 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 invented these things. Uh, we it, there was no discovery involved. We discovered, you know, more you know uh, formulas and things as we went along, in accordance to how we thought our planet and our universe reacts to us. But that's within our perception, within our right. our scope and our sphere of perception. And I said to him one time, just what I said, you know, to you is like, well, you know, there could be races out there that we have it wrong, you know, or, or they have different math and different physics than we do, which means that they can do a lot of things we can't. That's the, I guess that's you know, all I'm saying. Uh, let me look at it. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the way I look at this. And this is the okay. way a lot of us. Yeah. Look I want, I want okay. you to tell me exactly okay. what you feel. I could be okay. totally wrong. So you have a five-year-old child with, a, like in a, like in, like in a, a, a preschool or a school, and they're playing with toys. And they're building with blocks and running cars and all this other stuff. They're playing with uh, dolls or superhero doll, action figures or whatever. And you go over to them and you go, um, what do you think about that? Uh, that toy or that object in your hand because for the first like 40 years of everybody's life we are just materialistic we are a materialistic society we right. we have to see it we when i see it i believe it when i hear it i understand it you know yeah. all this stuff that they talk about is materialistic we do and then so the child will say this is hard or this is plastic you know very large ideas in a very crude form. And so when a space alien comes and lands on Earth, they go, what do you think about that? And you go, well, that, you know, is, you know, metaphorically kind of sucks or, or we don't, we just see that as a waste product. 
you know, and, and we just throw it to the side. And then the alien being thousands of years older and a little bit more knowledgeable will say, oh, well, you're just overlooking the obvious. You're overlooking, um, you're overlooking everything that you really need. It's because, because we're not, as a race, technically, able to really go outside of the box, and that's psychically, okay? But, but we, there are some very good psychics. I'm not saying there aren't, but we don't have the consciousness awareness that we really need. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, tell, you, I'm gonna tell you something that will blow your mind. Back in the Middle Ages, back in the Middle Ages in a city in Timbuktu, Africa, in Timbuktu, Africa, they found a library. It was all Muslim, you know, script. It was all written in Muslim and, or Arabic, Arabic or Muslim. And they found these books and they were mathematical situations, mathematical problems that we rival today in our colleges under algebra, geometry, and physics. So, so there's a machine, there's a little brass machine called the Etherica, Etherica machine. And they found it off the coast of uh, Greece. It was in a ship that cracked. Uh, it, yeah, it yeah, I know they, what you're talking about. Etherical, yeah. uh, you know, yep. they're, they're, re, they're building them back now, but it was the first working computer. Mm-hmm. And it would tell you the, the month of the year, the day of the year, your birth date. It would, it was like moon phase. Yeah, phenomenal. a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yep. The phases of the moon, it was just, blow your mind and you go how could that ever exist because that would be like finding a jet engine in the middle of, of ancient right. Egypt right okay because those mathematical problems w- were created so that people could think on a higher level but we haven't changed so you would think in 800 years we should be on to super mm-hmm. equations yep. super science super duper science and 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 we do have like crispr you know genetically altering viruses you know finding a cure to viruses so we can do some things but we're not at the the mental level that we really need to be and i wonder if it it, it holds us back i wonder is it ourselves or is there something at play that's okay it's it it's the fear of ourselves you know, um, it's the fear of growing up. It's, that's that, that's the fear because as soon as you grow up, you have to be responsible. You got to pay your bills. You got to yeah. you know you know you know beat your kids, kiss your cat, and or, or beat the cat and kiss your kids. <laughs> Whatever you got to do, you kiss your cat. Right, right. You're gonna you got to be responsible for it. And the human race gets to this lackadaisy state, and they do what's easy for them. So if Warren Buffett finds it easy to make money. I'm going to make money. I mean, is this easy for me? Well, that's hard for me because I lose a lot of money. So, uh, but what's easy for me is consciousness studies. That comes easy for me. It may be like a race car driver. Why why does uh, some of these race car drivers drive like they do? It's because it comes easy for them. And they're willing to take the risk to go 230 miles an hour around a, around a track, you know, and, 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 and survive. Okay. So, so as a race of people on the planet, we have become complacent with what we already know. And there is a, a, a thread uh, running through physics today to where everyone's an Einstein worshiper. You know, we worship Einstein. Einstein was the, 
end all, with all, and all this other stuff with uh, his science. Okay. Again, it's all observable science. You know, it's some of it's theoretical. Uh, Stephen Hawking, as you know, as much as I admire the guy, he was pulling stuff out of his, you know, out of thin air because yeah. it was theoretical physics. It was theoretical. We don't know. We can't prove it. A lot of the stuff Einstein uh, drew up, we couldn't prove for another fifty or sixty years. You know, it just blows your mind. But anyway, so let me just say this. Uh, these extraterrestrials do not break any of Einstein's laws at all. So we're onto something. The human race is onto something. But we don't have the metamaterials to build a device like them in order to get out there with them. Are they, so are they, we're being... Are they waiting for a time for us to join them, or is that a, a no. different discussion too? Again, it's our genes. We just don't have enough genes to get out of this child, childish sandbox to really take on responsibility. You think we ever will? No, we can't. We will never will. Um, uh, we need to live longer. We need to have more DNA so we can become better adaptable. Our brains they get a little bit bigger. We have to have three things. We have to have three, well, maybe more than three things, but we have to have telepathy, pure person-to-person -person telepathy. We have to have that. We have to have uh, the Schumer residence built into the ship. And then we have to have everything else, like food, water, and gravity. Right. So um, in the old Star Trek with Captain Kirk, um, the engines in the warp drive created the Schumer residence, which is created here on Earth. And it's a vibration that all humans need in order to survive. If we go to another planet that doesn't quite have it, we all get sick and over time we'll just die out. The residence of the planet helps keep us alive. And in the old Star Trek series, when you hear the, the warp engines kind of kicking in, yeah, that's yeah. all Schumer residence. That's all Schumer residence. And that's the only way these guys can get from you know, five-year missions without really decomposing is, is that resonance and telepathy. Now, why telepathy is because all the other extraterrestrials can do it. And telepathy is instantaneous. Now, I, I talked about uh, Elmer and your other, uh, your, the other host before about what if Lieutenant Ohura um, instead of saying there's subspace interference, which is what we call today quantum entanglement or quantum interference, what if she was taking the information and then translating it through a form of telepathy, which would be instantaneously delivered? Yeah, the instant to you wherever think she... of it, it's there. Yeah, exactly. The universe does not stand in the way of telepathy. It doesn't. It, 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 you could be anywhere. Okay, the Pleiades star system is 350 light years away. Let's just, on an average. And you could talk to them from Earth to there and in your ship as you're going there instantaneously. But if we use RF, radio frequencies, it travels at the speed of light. And the speed of light would take 350 light years to get there. And then 350 light years to respond. The Earth would have made so many rotations, it'd be almost 10,000 years into the future. 
Yeah, and I and I understand that you saying that you, because you I, yeah, because right. I remember in science class I had a really great science teacher who said, "I just want you to know that uh, he he couldn't give us an exact number because you look at all these points in the sky you see at night, you know these suns, you know there's over certain many of them that are, they're dead, they're actually not they're right. not there anymore, they're gone." Which it just took that long for the light to get to Earth, you know, light years exactly. and light years, and that blew my mind. And I thought, well, damn, you know. So yeah, I get exactly yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, our our sun will explode, or or grow, become a red giant, and we won't see it till eight minutes after it's done. <laughs> I right. mean, that's not going to give us enough time to get off the planet. No, but, no. <laughs> but, I, but I'm saying, you know, it takes 20 minutes for us to send a, a signal to Mars. So those little rovers over there rolling around uh, and they stop and they go, oh, you know what I do now? Well, we get that signal 20 minutes after they've stopped. And then we send the, the correct binary code or signal to them so they can say, oh, OK, I just, you know, my mind just went blank a little bit and now I'll go on and do my little mission. And so what's so what you see here, even with Mars and everyone wants to go to Mars to retire because they know the Earth is going to suck here in a few years. They all want to go to Mars and they all want to retire. And um, but it will take 20 minutes to make a cell phone call to Earth. And that's just that just can't happen. Getting to the moon, they were about a three or four second delay or five second yeah, delay. Yeah. I, I, I forget exactly, but but they were like in the Apollo. Uh, and when they went behind the moon, they lost contact altogether. And so, so the command modules up there orbiting the moon and the you know lunar modules down the on the lunar surface, and it was Collins or a couple of these other guys up there in the command module, and and they could only talk to NASA when they came around to the to the right side, and when they're on the dock side of the moon, they can't. They're dead. They're dead in the water. There's no communication whatsoever with her, and it was a one-way mission. Going to the moon was a one-way trip to nowhere because. Because if you died or you land on the lunar surface, there is no way they could come down and get you. Yeah, yeah. You, know, like you couldn't take off. You mission on TV. It's not the same thing. Yeah. yeah it's not the same thing at all. No, no. So we are we're handicapped. We're handicapped biologically, mentally, genetically, and uh, but, that but is. But boy, we keep on trying, don't we? Oh, we try. We you know we're <laughs> and we're swinging the bat. Yeah, <laughs> we're swinging that. the bat. We, yeah, we're we swinging the bat. And, you know. But we're just like a, I like to say we're like a rusty door. We're just swinging in the wind because we'll never, if we don't, like I said, if we don't really connect with this new, this reality, if we don't really connect with it, we'll never, we'll never get off the planet. Right, and right. there's now, two things about the extraterrestrials that they don't want us to have. And that's transwarp drive. And that's really being equal with them or, or going up the ladder with them. They, well, they, they kind of like us as the I, dumb cousins. Yeah. And I understand that because seeing us how yeah. we still, I mean, you know, the Ukraine, we brought that up at the beginning, seeing what we still do to each other. I wouldn't trust us either. Uh, I mean, no, you know, we just uh, have not gotten ourselves out of our heads that we have to stop trying to take what the neighbor has and just get along. <laughs> you know, that's, remember, it's a simplified yeah. thing, but that's, that's easy, easy peasy, man. Yeah, so no matter what, how good our intentions are, no matter no matter how good our intentions are, right. they still look at us as the kind of the the kid the kid in the in the in the sandbox playing with his toys. We we want the other kids' toys, and we want to stay in the sandbox at the same time. Uh, we don't. I mean, going into uh, Iraq and Afghanistan for twenty freaking years, and we don't get a clue that we can't dominate that. 
Yeah, European um, stuff too. Yeah, just constantly drawn in. Constantly drawn yeah, in. Yeah, it's like it's like yeah. okay, okay, you you know, dial up the Pentagon. Uh, we've been there for 20 years. My ta- I don't want to pay more taxes for that. Yeah, I'm kind of you done know, with that that show. I'm yeah. done with that. You know, I'm, I'm kind of done with it. And, and the Pentagon says, oh, don't worry. We'll just print more money. We'll just stay in the game as yeah, long as we want. It's, not, it's all about oil anyway. It's, it's not about right or wrong or ISIS versus whomever. It's oh, uh, it's nuts, folks. It's just about oil. It's just about yeah. oil. They, they were paying drivers in, in, in Iraq. They were paying them $10,000 a day to drive from the refinery in northern Iraq down to the seaport. And if you, $10,000 a day, uh, it blows your mind. Yeah. How much money was wasted in that entire effort when we couldn't do something on a diplomatic level? Yeah, and or was your life worth? Because God forbid you got caught. Yeah, if you got you know, caught. Or you, you know what happened after that? He had shot yeah. or you got your head cut off. Beheaded. Yeah. 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 So, you know, the, the thing to move to the, the, you know, the, the ship and the craft part of this discussion to, to oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's, um, do you, I threw this at a person who I've had on the show, um, Lester Velez and Lester's great guy, you know, he has a lot of information. Um, and we were talking and I threw a question at him about, do you think that some of these craft might be us? you know, which I threw yeah, in the time the travel future. thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he's like, well, no, I, I don't believe that. Absolutely not. And he kind of yeah. explained himself and I'm just, I'll throw that at you. Cause I know I asked you this before you yeah. think that there might be times that it's us that we're, we're coming back. Cause it seems as when we've got very strange gears or, or, or historic things that are happening, that's when they, that's when these sightings ramp up. True. I mean, are we documenting True. our own history? Do you think that's what the, some of it could be uh, or? It's it's uh, hard to say uh, because some of the stuff is them, you know, yeah. their craft. Yeah. When uh, Japan had their tsunami, there were several UFOs recording the entire incident, and they were from several different races. Okay, but but Rendlesham Forest, the Rendlesham Forest incident, yep. was a time traveling probe that was sent back in time to do something to find something or record something. And it was probably to find oh, this strange little island. Oh God. It's kind of, it's right next to Ireland or should be next to Ireland, but it's under the sea now. It, it went under the sea. But anyway, the black device that um, these guys saw and touched, that was a time traveling probe with AI that went that they sent back in time for some odd reason. Now, here's the cool thing about this. This is how smart that little black probe was. Rendlesham Air Force Base had atomic weapons, yeah. uh, missiles yeah. on it. Okay, so it's glowing red. And if you're flying over there with a, with a radioactive scope, you see this red just emanating from under the ground because it's so hot in radioactivity, okay? Um, so this little probe, whatever it had to do, had to land, but it landed next to Rendlesham, so it would cloak itself with all the other background radiation. So when the when the soldiers got there, one of them, uh, not Pendleton, it could have been Pendleton or one of them, anyway, um, rubbed his hand across it, and he said the hieroglyphics uh, was there, like uh, Egyptian hieroglyphics. Anyway, so he rubs his hand across it, and he starts getting this ones and zeros in his head. 
And a couple of days later, you know, he has a dream about it. So he has to get up and he's writing these ones and zeros down all the time. Well, if you're writing down ones and zeros from a physical contact, that means that is binary language. And there's only one species on the planet that deals in binary language, and that's the human race. And that's because all of our computers are in ones and zeros. Right. So it was from our future still using binary code. You see, so um, it was a smart little machine, but it didn't really tell us too much. And we can go over that. Do you remember that that case talking about there, Elmer? Because I, I do. I know we had. Yeah, we had we had uh, Philip Mantle on, um, and I'm going to have Phil back on this year, and um, he's been doing UFO magazines like in Germany and different languages and stuff. I I don't know if you know his name, but Phil's kind of known in Europe, and and he was he he had had a been on a show where they had that commander, one of them that you brought up. Um, yeah. And he was still alive and they, he talked very openly about, you know, everything that you just verified. And yeah. uh, as he said, they just weren't quite sure what they were dealing with, but um, everybody no, seems to uh, focus on that. But I mean, there's been, there's been so many though. I mean, you know, I remember you bringing up one time doctor, you know, when they had uh, gone over some missile silos here in the United States. Oh yeah. Yeah. Activated, activated all the silos. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they, they activated them and then they turned them off. Yeah. Now, what, what, what really what really screws the pooch here, I mean, I don't say screw the pooch, but this is really where we get into trouble, is that we have in North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, Wyoming, uh, all the way to Pennsylvania, nuclear bases. We have a few in Arkansas. I grew up next to a, a, a nuclear base, a nuclear missile silo. It wasn't a base. It was a silo and they that haven't got an Arkansas. pardon elmer what? said what? that might explain a few things so dr lynch is actually one of them we've, we've uncovered uh, no, yeah right. yeah um, yeah he's kind of like the comic book character the leader you know it's like brain is like so huge and you know it's like yeah. yeah um oh okay anyway so the deal is, is that because they're radioactive, even inside the silos, these ships can see them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a gray, it was a, a series of grays and they, their mission was to fly over these bases and to take an accurate account of our nuclear pile reserve, our nuclear yeah. pile reserve. And they also did this with nuclear uh, energy plants. They flew over those and got the nuclear pile reserve. And I have a friend who's a total freaking skeptic. And I said, well, why else would they be there? You don't fly over a military base and say, okay, I'm from another planet. Shoot me down. Yeah. Yeah. There's got to, there's got to be a reason why you're there. You know, and so what they did was they went in and they said, oh, these systems are so primitive made back in the 60s that we can turn them all on and then we can turn them all off. And as long as we don't upgrade, and like NORAD, as long as we didn't upgrade NORAD, they could come in and do whatever they wanted or or shoot them down in midair, yeah. Uh, yeah, blow them up while in flight. So they took an accurate account of all the nuclear stockpiles that we had, of nuclear warheads, uranium waste, uh, you name it. They, they took a, an a- actual 
account of that. Mm-hmm. And all of those bases had UFO activity and all of the a Three Mile Island and all these other guys had UFO activity around their power plants. And everyone goes, well, you know, that's really strange. It's kind of bizarre. It's like, no, they can see it from orbit. Yeah, they can. Yeah, with their instrument. You know, they, right. Yeah, they see it from orbit. You now, know, didn't, it wasn't... No. Now, didn't they? Now, didn't they also? I mean, has this happened in like Russia and China? You know, oh, the yeah, other powers yeah. with nuclear? Because yeah. I thought I'd heard some something yeah. about that too. Okay, okay. Everyone asks about uh, U.S. You know, underwater, underwater. Yeah, UFOs. That, yep, yep. Okay, uh, okay. Well, duh. We have on our submarines alone. Our submarine naval fleet alone is carrying enough nuclear warheads to blow up the earth about 10 times. Right. That's nuts. And so guess what? They glow. They glow because of the radiation that's coming off of those. Right. Um, I was at Whiteman Air, Airfield, and they said, whatever you do, don't go into that building. And I said, oh, wow, you got a UFO over there? And they go, no, it's radioactive bombs. And you have to wear a, a thing on your shirt when you when you walk around that well, building. Time exposure, yeah, right, right. Yeah, so so they can check how much radiation. You got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I and I say, right, okay. Well, it gets worse than this. Okay, we found out that you can take uranium from a nuclear power plant, and you can squish it down and refine it and make a, a tip on a bomb, and that tip is uranium-tipped weapon and will go through anything. It'll go through titanium, brick walls, yep. you name it. Now, when that hits, it vaporizes, gets into the air. So anybody around there is already breathing in uranium dust. Uh, uh, you're dead. Whether you hit, hit them yeah, or not, you're, you're going to die. You're yeah, dead. You're dead. You know? and, and so what happens is, is that, okay, they shoot these uranium-tipped bullets into a, a bunker. Okay, there's no air supply in a bunker. And then you have these U.S. troops running in after it. You know, doing the doing the cleanup, and then our brilliant military goes. You know, after the war, these guys have radiation sickness. Well, we don't know whatever happened to that. You know, we we're not going to give them any funding. Yeah, how'd that happen? You know, yeah, yeah. How did that happen? Gee whiz, you know. We, you, you think know, we would have gotten smart after the Orange Agent or the Agent Orange uh, crap? Yeah. You know, come um, on, guys. And so, and so, all the funding that we give the Pentagon is is uh, is for bullets yeah yeah and, and for it's not lot... it's not it's not for health care it's no, not for health care no and it goes to a lot like of that. it's just for bullets yeah it goes for a lot of black op stuff we don't know about either you know oh, yeah. It's, yeah it's interesting uh, but you know alien wise are... i mean do they are 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 they are there those that are you know one of these races that are working with their government that you know oh God, i don't know how it. to put that question they... okay okay uh, okay we have the president of the United States right I'm here. getting them all fired okay. up, folks. When he starts doing this, yeah. he's getting fired up. Okay. 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 This is where the president of the United States is. Okay. Now you go way up here, way up here, way up here is cosmic. And then you have a couple more on top of cosmic. And they're the only way. And they, they these guys work with the extraterrestrials. Okay. These guys up here, they're cosmic. And uh, there was that one other another level but they work with the extraterrestrials straight straight out straight out um and like i said if you think we own this planet or just because you have a house and a few acreage man you are 
poorly mistaken. Uh, they, this is their planet. This is their planet, lock, stock, and barrel. And we are under their every watch. There's not a plane that takes off and lands that they don't know about. And so with all this world stuff that's going on, and my next question with these aliens would be like, why did they let the stuff play out? Is it amusement or they're just like, I don't know. I you know to, if I if well, you say no. that, then I ask, why do you just watch the stuff play out? Why don't you come and stop it? Because it's population control. Oh, we yeah, are so yeah. stupid. We are so stupid that we not only overpopulate the planet and, and pollute it, we also kill ourselves off. So when we do that, they they go along with that. It's like, okay, well, how many people died today in America? Oh, about 50,000 people died of old age car accidents and you know, uh, misplaced surgical equipment or whatever. They died from something. And then you go, okay, well, that's just not enough. So then you have 5 million abortions per year. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not enough. Okay, so what is enough? Well, well since you asked, Mike, uh, we need about uh, 8 <laughs> right. million. We need 8 million dying a day. Yeah. Or if we could, if you could push that up to twelve, that'd be great, you know. Uh, and then that's the way they see it. So, so it's like you have too many rats on the island, and they start eating other rats because there's no yeah, more, yeah. there's no other food. You, you kind of let the experiment exactly, play out too, as to what it plays out to, I guess. So you have one rat left, and that one rat's going to die of starvation. So what they're trying to do is curb us back, is cull the herd. And uh, I, you know, people call me a conspiracy guy, and I say it's not a conspiracy, man. It's a fact. They are. Do you think COVID nineteen just happened in nature? No, hell no. Go down to Fort Detrick and pull up COVID nineteen and the alpha and the beta and the omega strains and the omicron, the omicron, which was a diluted strain of. of, Mm. And where does COVID nineteen come from? It comes from bats. It comes from bats. And guess Bat who was guano. And guess who That's was the working on it? Guess who was working on it first, folks? Mr. Fauci yeah. himself here in America. And then hey, we're gonna sell it over there to the yeah. Chinese. And then oh my god, it got loose. Come so, on. So, and all that information is out there, guys. You, yeah. You can't forget Bill Gates either, because Bill Gates was fun in that whole operation. I mean, nobody really realizes that, but what yeah. happened to Windows? How did he go to freaking Windows 98? to you know helping with population control that he admitted to at one point or another and then retracted that comment and and the thing is is like most people don't realize that you know the hardest hit people for the covid wasn't you know like people like myself it was for darker pigmented people i mean I, i hate to sound like that but it's the honest truth. Look at the Asians; they're darker than you know. Most well, yeah, yeah, black people. I've, I've heard mean, that. My my process for the third world countries were just straight basic. They don't have the the systems and and the infrastructure that we have here. So we knew it was. You know, you could just give that. You didn't have to guess that. You knew that was going to go foul uh, because they don't have the hospital set up, fresh water. You know, India, you know, the pe- same people that bathe in the water they poop in. You know, I'm just telling you, man, it's, it's this right. is all crazy. But the connection to the alien thing to this is interesting to me. It's just like, you know, like you said, yeah. culling the herd and you're just 
kind of makes yeah. you angry at the same time you kind of want to meet yeah. them and, and and get to know what the hell they're really after you know okay so um i'm just going to go back in time just a, just a few years hiv was in africa before yep. it was ever anywhere else yep okay why because africans have sex a lot of sex and you can't be in that country for five minutes not realizing to say, hey, if we give them the venereal disease, it'll kill them. Okay, like syphilis or whatever. Well, then uh, there was a guy named Donner, RJ or RM Donner, who created the HIV uh, strain. And the next thing you know, Afri Africa has got the HIV strain all over. The next was, that wasn't killing them fast enough. Then they got Ebola. Yeah, okay, where did that, yeah. Ebola come from? Okay, and then they all start dying from that. Okay, well, that's not enough. So you have COVID-19 just appear out of a wet market somewhere in China. It's like, you know, we live in a very sterile environment. You know, most of the time we vacuum dust and put away our dishes and take a bath. And that's pretty sterile. Okay, and where are all the, and why are we getting all these bacterial veridic diseases that are aerosol and airborne, okay? If, you're, if you have aerosol, if you have the capacity for aerosol, that's a weapon, that's been weaponized, period, the end. The anthrax yeah. letters that were sent out, again, from a sergeant from Fort Dietrich. <laughs> Hang on there, Elmer, I'm, I'm getting to the punchline here. <laughs> the Planet of the Apes are trying to get them. Hang on, buddy. <laughs> um, <laughs> that the the anthrax letters inside was talcum powder that had been ground so fine it was aerosol meaning it was a weaponized it had yeah. been weaponized yep. okay who can do that well you have to have a lab you have to have personnel you have to have virology i mean this is stuff that uh megala scientists megala megala monster scientists are doing in their in their basement okay that's like it's like saying a serial killer's in his basement, but he has all this equipment and all this technology and all the right knowledge. It don't it don't add up, folks. I'm just sorry. It don't add up. I can take any kid, anybody off the street, and give them a bucket of crude oil, and say, "Make me a gallon of gasoline out of that," and they'll look at me like I'm an idiot because they don't know how. How do you take crude oil and turn it into gas? Well, how do you take <clears throat> a strain of a virus we never even heard from, never even heard of, make it aerosol, and then put it in the largest population of the planet, in China? Just to, to what? See the effect? No, it is to wipe out people. It is to kill you. You know, uh, <clears throat> remember the old days when you were a kid, maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, <clears throat> you would jump in your dad's car and the dad would say, hey, let's go get some ice cream or let's go to the grocery store, make an errand. And what were you looking at? You were looking at a thick windshield, a, a solid steel dashboard and no seat belts. Yep. It was a death trap. My God. You know, it, no one can tell me that you worked in Detroit, that you were building death traps. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And then we look at our cars today. Everything's padded. Everything bounces. It's got memory foam. We've got heated seats. It's <laughs> right. like, 
you know, you got airbags, you got everything now, you know, and, but man, when I was a kid, man, no way you were, you were out there flying by the seat of your pants. I mean, technically, because there was no safety guards. No, there was none of that. So, so like I said, if something comes out that looks and, and, and walks and quacks of high end technology that, that you don't have on the street, uh, something's wrong with that. Now, okay, the average meth dealer can go out and make meth if he has the ingredients. But if you take fentanyl away from him, he can't make meth or methamphetamine. He can't make, yeah, amphetamines. If, if you take away one product that he has, uh, gas or uh, propane or whatever, you take something away from him, he can't complete that project. But somehow COVID-19 was totally completed and then inserted into our society in a in the most crowded place possible. And that was China's wet markets, you know? Well, I mean, it was kind of convenient that, you know, they had the, yeah. uh, the what was it, the um, virus place that was like right down the way from it. I mean, yeah. come yeah. on. Yeah, doesn't take uh, Sherlock Holmes to add that up. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, so you you would you know we I knew we would get off on all sorts of things, um, I, so you mentioned you know the underwater you know UFOs that oh, yes. are coming right. and going, and I felt that we've had that they've had bases underwater, day and time memorial. Um, I'm over here right. on the Great Lakes, you know, and uh, right. there's a an abundant amount of stuff spotted in Lake Michigan. I'm I'm on you know I'm in Michigan. And uh, I had wondered, too, because people have reported uh, these vehicles, you know, the big triangular craft have been spotted here for years. I, even way before the Phoenix incident, we had one right. that was that was chased up and down our coast. And, um, yeah. you know, and it's and we have two nuclear plants here. Imagine that. So, yeah. you know, and then they see them going into the water. So, I mean. I don't know. Is there a connection to Atlantis? I, I'm 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 jumping from here to way out there. I had always <laughs> wondered that if people from Atlantis were like aliens and something happened and oh, yeah. Yeah. it was gone. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Uh, now, what's about to happen? Uh, I don't want to scare anybody. It may not happen uh, in my lifetime. It may happen uh, if you've got kids. It'll probably happen in, in their lifetime. And that is the uh, changing of the poles where the magnetic north and magnetic south shift. The earth doesn't shift. The magnetism shifts. When Atlantis was here, the aliens that came here for that project, which was very extensive, as Orions and Pleiadians, handful of others, some Syrians, Hyperboreans, uh, they did that in a uh, in a transit trip. They they brought they, they colonized our entire solar system at one time. So, but anyway, that's another longer story. But the deal was is that Atlantis uh, served them very well. Uh, they were surrounded by an ocean. They had uh, lots of minerals. It was volcanic, so they had hot water. A lot of stuff was you know it was like a, a health spa on steroids. And then from there they shot off and made little colonies. Uh, uh, Bimini, uh, the Bimini Road or Bimini Beach down there in Florida, that's, that's all remnants of Atlantis. And then you go down to Cuba, the south of Cuba, 
um, Cuba is there, and there's a, a National Geographic's found it for looking for something else, and they found this whole city that was under uh, the water, um, you know, right outside of Cuba. So we've been finding these artifacts over and over again, all in a certain perimeter and, and uh, parameter of the earth. They're all right. in the same area. Now, it was the Orions that all this, like Sacsayhuaman and all these stones that look like they've melted and they've been put in with no mortar, but put all together. Those, that's all Orion technology. That's not, um, and they, they, the Orions were the last ones. So when the earth shifted the last time, they couldn't stay here. The magnetic resonance changed and it was killing them. So they had to leave. And so when they left, they left all this remnants behind. So if you, if you pull up uh, photographs of Machi Picchu, and this is the best way I can describe it. How you doing there, Elmer? Doing okay? Yeah, bad you got you. Okay. Bad got me, um, yeah. <laughs> if, uh, if you go, go see Machi Picchu, um, the first row of brick on the bottom is like it's formed together. It's free-formed together. And there's, there's no joints. There's no uh, mortar between the joints. The next level is similar cut. You know, it goes up like three feet. And then another three feet is similarly cut, but it's a bit rougher. And then the next level is looks like three-year-olds did it. The, the next level of Machu Picchu is rough cut, smaller stones, and they had to use mortar to keep them all together. So that, in, in a nutshell, is exactly what happened all the way around the earth. And the, the, it was done by basically projects for the Orions. Every time they brought a new civilization to the planet, they built them a city or a city was built by their technology. But something happened and that's the earth, again, changing its polarity. And they had to leave because it was detrimental to them. And when they did, they took their technology with them. So uh, the Nazca images, the Nazca of the Nazca plain are are made by the Paracaucus. And the Paracaucus was brought to here, brought here by um, extraterrestrials from Mars. So the Mars, when the Martians show up, they have these they have these Martians show up, they have these big skulls, okay. And uh, Tutankhamun's dead, Akhenaten was a Paracaucus. Tutankhamun was a Paracaucus, but they were dying out because they couldn't exist in this earth very long again they didn't have the immunity and so as they started to die out they started to inbred or hybrid with humans and then those children could survive but you know they kept it in their blood system kept it all in the blood kind of thing and so a lot of them became uh in, in, you know in, inbred um or they became incestual so the the fathers would have sex with the daughters or and the daughter brothers and sisters would have sex and so Tutankhamun's wife had twins she died in chick in, in, in child labor and they were genetically did the genetics and the, the twins were exactly like Tutankhamun so so they were and they were trying to keep the same DNA but they're trying to get it to go down for a couple of hundred years or 300 years and they couldn't do it so even if you find a paracoxus Paracoccus today, he's more human than Paracoccus. Um, so, so if you want to see a Martian, pull up uh, Paracoccus, pull, pull up the, the Paracoccus skulls in Peru, 
And uh, they also were in uh, around the Black Sea. And they were also in Egypt. They were they were they probably were found in North America, but the Smithsonian has lost all, all those skulls and all those bones. So, um, you know, they, the last, they were po uh, pocketed everywhere. To, yeah, not to make light of it, but the last Indi Indiana Jones movie kind of led to that. You know, with yes, the skulls exactly. and the elongated yes. and the aliens and everything you described is exactly, yes. for the most part, if you're looking at stuff in between the lines and behind it you just described it. That's, that's the key that they used for that movie. And then they wanted to yeah. return home, you know, and uh, they were, yeah. you know, they, they had telepathy and there were some people that were still affected, you know, by the resonance and the vibration of those, those skulls. Um, and they, I think I figured out something too. You know how okay. our one said that you was an alien or whatever. I think it's because <laughs> yeah. you're a big headed. I think it's because you was a big headed baby. That's the reason why. Oh, I Probably. I, I had a big head, you know, but yeah, you know, it, I, I it wasn't full of anything, you, you know. Oh, no, you're very you are a very smart man. I, that's why so, I love having you on. You're so full of knowledge. So I want to I want to throw this out. I know everybody's falling asleep at home, but let me throw this out. OK, now, uh, you know that I'm a, in the paranormal quite a bit, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, you. you? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Dang. Sometimes. That's when crazy. I'm not eating when I'm not eating a hamburger, I'm in the paranormal. So. Um, okay, so so, uh, so there's this guy. I forgot his name. I'm very sorry. Uh, I, I forget people's names quite a bit. But anyway, there was this guy who came out, um, and he said that he can get EVPs on his tape recorder, and that he can ask any question in the world, you know, any question, and this answer will come back on as an EVP on his tape recorder. And so he been. He was on a couple of talk shows, just like what you guys are doing. You know, he's a couple of internet talk shows. Well, one day the CIA gave him a call and he says, Hey, if we give you a question, could you get an answer for us? And the guy goes, Yeah, sure. I guess, you know, I've, I've only done it with simple questions, but I guess, you know, if it was not too complex, then we could go from that. And the CIA goes, uh, We want to know if uh, Laura Trump the wife of Eric Trump is a reptilian. And this guy, this guy like bounces back and he goes, you know, I, I do ghost hunts. I don't, I never, you know, investigated a human before. And they get, and the CIA just says, okay, just go try it out. Go try it out. Well, the guy goes, okay. So he did. He, he turned his tape, he put his tape recorder on record and said, okay, to, I guess his spirit guides or whatever and said, Okay, uh, is Lord Trump a reptilian? And the answer came back, yes. Okay. The CIA is in project remote viewing, you know, Stargate. So they had contacted Stargate before they, st they asked that guy a question. And so I go, my God, that's, that's getting very close to the White House because you know that Laura Trump was running for senator of her state, New York. And she had the money and the power to do it, okay? So I go, let's just dig a little bit deeper on this. So I so I get my resources out and I, I ask the qu same question, is Lord Trump a reptilian? And they go, mm, she's got reptilian DNA in her. And I just said, oh my God, how far have we gone from you know, Joe Blow human to now we're such a mixed breed with alternate DNA. 
And they had been doing that, altering her DNA all of her life. And now Eric Trump and Lord Trump have two kids. Okay, blonde hair, blue eyed, probably probably negative blood type, but but they're and she doesn't even know that she has that DNA in her as well. So we could inevitably have a president that's not human at all, or doesn't <laughs> have that. Keep, yeah, <laughs> keep yeah, to yourself, I'm serious. Elmer, I know where he's going. Yeah, yeah, he's not no, he's I, not I, human I, at all. Gonna, you know, he could be sixty reptilian. forty. Yeah. yeah, he could be 60% reptilian, 40% whatever. He could yeah. be, you know, Pleiadian. I mean, he could be 60% Pleiadian. And I've, I've spotted whatever. many, many videos, which I know to be set up, you know, staged, you know, where they show that type type of transformation. But there are some that I've seen because I was watching it live on TV and I spotted it too, where there seems yeah. to be a slight glitch. And I know some yeah. videos can handle, you know, can do certain things and disconfigure your face. But I mean, yeah. I was going to, no, you know, I, we had a lady on the show that that um, Elmer remembers. I know you remember her, Elmer. She had said that she had had a uh, in a cave. Remember, she had had a a one on one with this like eight foot tall reptilian. And I was going to ask you, are they really like you just alluded to? Are they really kind of intermixing and doing bad things? Uh, I don't know if it's bad or not. But it's really it's really strange because we don't see the human races as really mixing very well, you know, because right. we we right. still struggle with that. But we're talking DNA. And if you don't know that your DNA is different, like David Adair, he didn't know that his blood type had changed. He just woke up the next day and he's, you know, just normal. But if you don't know and no one tells you, uh, then it could be slowly activated over a period of time, right. which gives her more adaptability. How, how that really affects her, 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 her psyche, her mind. You know, the sociopaths know. only use some of the reptilian part of the brain. So a sociopath, I mean, you couldn't tell her any different than any other sociopath. And most of them do run for Senate, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so that's, you know, that's, what, it's, that's, that's what government jobs are there for, is keeping yeah, sociopaths sure. busy, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, uh, what else? I was going to tell you something else. I forgot what I was going to tell you. Yeah, and I interrupted you. I apologize. I'm terrible about that. Oh, oh no, that's all right. It's, I, I just lose my train of thought here. Um, oh, anyway, so the, oh, getting back to that story. So the guy who had the tape recorder and he got the answer yes that she was re reptilian. Um, he called the CIA back and he goes, uh, and he goes, the answer was yes to your question. And the CIA goes, we knew it all along. Well, the only way anyone would be able to know it is if they got the genetic code. They had to get Laura Trump's code, genetic code, in order to prove that. Okay, so you're sitting there going with the CIA saying, okay, how deep is the CIA into this? And, and, and Area 51 is just a CIA depot. You know, it's just a truck depot yeah, yeah. for My UFOs and extra... My question as a paranormal investigator is like, well, was it a spirit that told you yes? Because maybe they know things we don't. Where oh, yeah. Well, they yes know everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's and that's the thing. So the CIA, um, like I said, the CIA took this ghost investigator because he, he said, I get these voices that answer these questions and they're always true. So when they contacted him and he did that, it blew them away. 
Now, there's another guy, uh, uh, doc, another doctor out there, Joe. Uh, starts with the last name starts with an M. It's like mandible or something like that. I don't know. I, Stamps I, don't know. Tonight, I, don't, I was way off. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I don't know. It was, yeah, it was. It's uh, Joe something. He has a show down in New Orleans. He does a, a podcast and a, and a radio show down. In yeah, New yeah, Orleans. yeah. I know who you're talking about. Uh, uh, what the hell's that guy's name? And he I, said, I know he I was, can't think of it either. Yeah. Yeah, he said he was he was harassed by the FBI and Men in yeah, Black yeah. all this time, and he had done this blood study, so that every time he got a phone call that somebody was abducted, bingo, he was over to their house and he would draw blood, and he'd take that blood down and have it analyzed. Well, he he normally when he produced his findings, which I I still think he needs to review that, when he produced his findings, he said that ninety percent of abductees have negative blood type, Rh negative blood type. So they could be A, B negative, A or B negative or whatever, which means that they're mainly from a, a Celtic or Scandinavian environment. Uh, the genes always go down. Now, what's so funny about that is that there's supposed to be a base on the dark side of the moon. And they say that they only allow blonde-haired, blue-eyed, negative blood types to go to that base on the moon because they're the ones in that because the aliens invite only these type of people. And what's really strange is in the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, before Richard Dreyfus gets onto the big spaceship, they ask him, what's your blood type? And he goes, I have no idea. So, so somewhere down the line, somewhere down the line, all of this adds up. And But it adds up like we don't know um, it's like t the Thomas Jefferson syndrome. It, all the black people from Thomas Jefferson's farm are mixed with Thomas Jefferson. So he, so they're not really black from Africa anymore. They're they're part white. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. you know, the, the genes are twenty five or thirty percent Anglo-Saxon yeah. or British. But what I'm, <clears throat> what I'm saying is, there's no real pure blood and we don't have the real dna bank to store this into to find out the differences the slight difference in variations of this dna and and that is really what this whole mystery has been about why do the grays like the phoenix lights <clears throat> the phoenix lights was a gray ship and they were dropping off new minerals and composites at, at area 51 they make that run about once a month, once every six months, and they drop off these materials. And then they take these materials and then they try to do something with it. Um, uh, Phil Schneider, Phil Schneider says that ever since he could remember, and this is probably back in the 60s, he said that the Greys dumped in large piles raw materials on the runway at Area 51 for them to scoop up with a with a tractor or, or a backhoe and and send to a processing plant. So, a lot of this stuff, like stealth, the fabric that goes over the stealth, the 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 polycarbon, yeah, okay. that new press carbon and all that. Where where did yeah. they get that? Yeah. Okay. Now, if you take a sheet of that, if you take a sheet of that, and you hold it to the light, you know, hold it to the light. Um, it will look like a meteorite. It will be triangular and cut. And when you take a meteorite and you cut that in half, that is triangular. It's all triangular on the inside. 
So whatever this carbon-based material is, it only produces no heat. You can't burn it. You can't put a fire on it. You can't see it in thermal. And, and it is wind-resistant, okay? And it absorbs radar reflection. It absorbs it com almost like completely. Yeah. And I've had a piece of that in my hands, and it it just blew my mind. It blew my mind that, okay, first of all, where did it come from? If it came from outer space, I'd like to know because I'd like to have a lot more of that. And so when Ford and Chrysler built the first carbon-bodied car, they built one because that polycarbon does not decompose. You can't destroy it. You can smash it, but it will never go away. Trek bicycles has the same polycarbon bicycle, 10-speed bike. And you could pick it up with, with two fingers. Yeah, yeah, they, it virtually weighs nothing, yeah. That's yeah, it, it, it virtually, it, it, it's nothing. So, and it will never, it will never get any stress fatigue. It will never crack, bold, you know, uh, bend. It will never get hot. It will never get so cold that it freezes and, you know, if you put it in liquid nitrogen to do that. So, so some of this stuff came out of straight out of the war tech machine. And we're using it in day-to-day -day life, but it's so subtle of a, of, of a conditioning to, in our lifestyle that, that we just take it for like, oh, well, that's just, you know, that's just cool. You know, that's just cool. We don't, we don't know that it's being, it was dropped off by Gray's. Uh, it was dropped off by Gray's at Area 51 to begin with. You know what I'm saying? I, and I questioned that years ago because I figured, you know, that that material had to come from an outside source. Obviously, we, you know, oh, yeah. because because if yeah. we have tr if we have trouble, folks, get I'm going to explain my my point here. If we have trouble building a simple, OK, a simple heat shield reflector that goes on our space shuttle, we still can't even get that 100 percent right. But yet we can develop pressed carbon that makes planes invisible to radar. I mean, come on, man. It, you know, it doesn't line up. And so you're just like, what's going on? What is going yeah. on? I the space shuttle was the best 1978 technology in the world. Oh, yeah. For its time, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Because that's when they were all built. It's 1978. And we yeah. were shooting them up there in 1998. Yeah. yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? Oh, I do. Okay. And the, the, the Russians were setting up Soyuz. Soyuz is, is as old as the Apollo. You know? And they're still using Soyuz. And they, these guys are like, they have to be geniuses to fly it because there's no navigation material. Yeah. So, um, and then Bill Shatter so, goes to space and come on. I used to yeah. be such an, I, you, doctor, I used to be such a NASA fan. Now anything, uh, anything they say or anytime people are all about NASA, I'm like, eh, eh. yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, you, you wonder what NASA has been doing because, yeah. Um, I don't trust them anymore at all. Uh, nope. There have been a lot of guys who have found uh, there is a what we call a copycat a, a rover out in the Badlands of Montana someplace. And that copycat rover is designed to work out problems or difficulties for the ones that are on Mars. Well, this one researcher found that a lot of the photos were from Montana. Yeah. And that they had just been turned orange. And they were put out as Martian landscapes from NASA. Okay. Um, 
several of the ISS space station videos where the astronauts say, okay, we're here in space, you know, we're 15, 20 miles above the earth and we're floating around and having a great time. And then the school kid goes, can you do a somersault? And they go, yeah, sure. And they like do the somersault, just like Peter Pan does it uh, on stage at Broadway. And when they do the somersault, uh, one of the other astronauts that were there to, to stabilize him grabbed a hold of an invisible wire. And so when he does the somersault, he doesn't move too far to the right or left because they're both sitting there on wires. And there's another, there's another scene where this guy goes, okay, interview's done. We'll see you guys later. And he like drifts to the back of the space station and then turns a corner and he, he, he fades. He just fades away. He doesn't, the equipment doesn't, you know, there's like, there's no edge there. He just fades away as if he's going through or behind a green screen. Yeah. Yeah. So, Isn't so, that so sad? that's sad. Yeah. Why, why risk people's lives when we can fake it all down here? Yeah. I mean, that's just, that makes me just, wonder. Yeah. It infuriates yeah. the hell out of me. And, you know, and then, you know, the stuff on the moon and other bases and then photographs are touched and, yeah. We had a lady on the program yeah. who used to work in that department and she was told to hide yeah. all sorts of stuff. And she said, Hey, I saw structures and, you know, towers and all sorts of things. And we're, you know, and then you look at the photo that's released and I'm yeah. happy that some of those people hid that stuff and snuck it off, off property, uh, yeah. you know, risking being, you know, incarcerated uh, because we get to see some of the real stuff and them even yeah. letting, you know, uh, who was it? Cooper. Cooper, who was yeah, telling Gordon everybody yeah. and yeah, letting out all these secrets and like, well, yeah. that's what you're meant to think. Uh, and then he even yeah. talked about UFOs very openly, you know. Just think of it. From 1906, when the first airplane, the Wright brothers flew, within 40 years, we had supersonic jets. Yeah. I mean, within 40, you know, four zero years, we had yeah. supersonic jets. Yep. That's like going up. I mean, that's just like... Phew. Okay, computers from 1960s, which took up the entire room, now fit in the palm of your hand. Yeah, everybody can see right yeah, here. There you go. I, I, the, the power, got the one power that's like, yeah, everything that's contained in this and the power. I, 1969 moon mission, right here. And we can't Easily. go back to the moon. Yeah, we can't go back to the moon. Are we no, being told? Yeah, well, you have the insight. You have yeah, the insight, Doctor. Yeah, they're, are we, be, yeah, are, are we being told to stay off of it? Are we being told not to come yeah. back? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They told uh, when Neil Armstrong stepped off, you know, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. When he turned around, there were three ships right there on the ridge. And he got scared shitless. And when he came home, they said, you're under the National Security Act. So you can't say anything about anything to anybody or we'll put you in prison. And so Neil Armstrong, uh, the first man to walk on the moon, uh, went home totally depressed. And because he thought all of his life, America was number one. We were the best in everything, best technology, best fighters, best jets, best everything. And when he got to the moon, he got the rude awakening that a lot of people don't get until further they're further down the road. But he got a, he got the wide awakening that hell we're 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 like flies. 
Yeah, yeah. We're like flies on flypaper and then we ain't going nowhere. And all this. Now we had to get permission to go to the moon. And, and I know, uh, I know, and it was a NASA director of NASA down at Cape Kennedy that got that him and a, and a, and, a, and an entourage went to speak with the Pleiadians to get permission to go to the moon. So, um, so here we have majestic 12, you know, uh, totally behind smoke and mirrors. And then you don't notice them until the 19 mid 60s, 70s, and they start coming out of the woodwork. And the only reason why they start coming out of the woodwork was because their budgets were being questioned. Oh yeah. Because it was, yeah. it was a black hole that. of I money. That going yeah, money. Yeah. Yeah. And so everyone that sits there at Area 51 going, well, you know, we've, we created the SR-71 Blackbird. We created this. And that is just very expensive. We had to get the titanium from Russia. We were in a Cold War with Russia, and we were buying titanium from them and, and, and smelting it back in Detroit to build this stuff. So, um, so the SR-71 Blackbird was like the height of all of our technology. It could go up into the upper stratospheres. Uh, it could go, you know, so fast. It was like getting, it could fly from Area 51 to England in just a few hours. Uh, it was super, it was hypersonic. It was hypersonic, not supersonic, but hypersonic. And nothing could beat it until the SST was devised almost 20 years later. And when the SST came out, it was not uh, designed to carry a payload or personnel. It took the... Uh, it took the French and the British to come up with a Concorde, which is our SST, but they designed it to carry passengers. Right. So when you have nothing but big old engines and nothing but high test petrol uh, jet fuel in your fuselage, that that dude can go. I mean, it's, if it's not designed for passengers, it's just designed for a pilot. Yeah. And anyway, uh, there's only like one SST left, you know, left in the world, and it's in it's, it's in a museum. But the idea was that we came up with all this stuff, and then and Neil Armstrong got to fly a lot of this stuff. But when he stepped on the moon, he just realized we don't know Jack, and so there has been a secret world that wraps around us and is and is being maintained, but not only by our chemicals that we mine and reprocess here it, by other planets out into the galaxy that are, are being done the same exact way for the consortium of planets that that swap and trade everything from dna to um, silver and gold to copper aluminum um, and that's all being traded it's all being traded around uh, so, so how do we how do we move forward and become better and to be involved in everything that we've discussed tonight? How do we yeah. find our place in all that? You know, well, uh, where do we go? Doc, yeah, Doctor Greer has come up with uh, close encounters of the fifth kind, where you sit in a kumbaya circle and uh, open your mind up, gentle thoughts I'll be right to back. the space. Oh, okay. Keep, keep talking. Alien. I'll be right back. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, with this gentle uh, thoughts to space aliens and, and ask them to come down and show themselves. And, uh, and that's where a lot of people have gone. 
And Dr. Greer has tried this on several different occasions in several different countries. And he says he gets good results, but he's not talking directly to the extraterrestrials. They see this as a, a ploy or a, 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 a kid's plaything. They're not taking him very seriously. And to say that they're having psychic connections with these extraterrestrials, I think is, is fanciful. Now, I know that there are some psychics, ones in California, around the country, somewhere in other countries, and they psychically communicate to extraterrestrials, or they claim they do. There's no way we can prove any of it. But to use our consciousness, that's the first step. And so how do we stay on top of this is that we, we don't chase don't chase ufos anymore that's just a waste of time um you got to look at michael horn what he's been doing michael horn is uh the spearhead in a lot of this let's negotiate first let's have a diplomatic policy first um stephen greer is doing the the stuff where you you know chant a mantra or come down and you know calling out you know extraterrestrials um to show themselves and then that's one thing um, the other thing is, too, is that um, there was something I, I thought was just last month or something very recent that we've gotten some some data, some some information from space that came through yeah. and not the wow signal. But it, this was just recently. And they think yeah. this is a, another another civilization sending yep. out Morse code. I remember that. It was I'm sure they're going. No, they don't do that anymore. What it, it's like your it's like your supernova scenario. Those codes and that information were sent out millions of years ago. And for it to even hit Earth or, or get within the vicinity that we can hear them, hear those codes, is, is just a miracle. It's just a billion to one odds that that will happen. Because that race that sent that Morse code or whatever is gone. It's gone. Because everybody is telepathic. They don't send RF signals. They don't send... Uh, hypervelocity signals. They, you know, they're not. Uh, they're telepathic. They're using the entire universe as a form of physics that benefits them, and that technology is easier for them than us, because just like everyone else, just like just like uh, we did, we went to other countries, we explored, we did, we tried to find the elements we needed, whether it was be food or gold or whatever, and then we would harvest that, go back, and then incorporate that into our lifestyle, and then go back out to gain more. Um, and so, you know, um, it, makes Nero, sense. It, it makes sense to me yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's, you know, that's the psychology of mankind. Uh, but, but like, again, uh, these meta materials that Lou Elizondo keeps talking about, you might as well just, phew, that's just fanciful stuff. That's metamaterials that we well, have created. and I don't want to but, smirch his name, but, but he's been called out no, no. on a lot of stuff too. So yeah, it, it is what it is. The, okay, Linda Bolton Howe has uh, the last piece of Arch Parts, which was sliced up parts of the 1947 crash at Roswell, and there's and if you look at that, okay, imagine a centrifuge spinning around, and you're able to spray paint inside that centrifuge 
like a printer and you're printing out liquid metal, uh, uh, carbon-based insulation, uh, another form of metal, uh, uh, mixtures of metal. And then that just spins around and just goes, this comes out like a big bowl. And you go, okay, that's the base of the ship. And then, and then there's another machine down there doing the same thing. As we print out plastics today, they were printing out spaceships, you know, a thousand years ago. Yeah, that's not hard and, to believe based on based and, on what we're no, doing with plastics. Um, um, I got a I got a question because you're talking okay, about I'm that sorry. signal. No, no, it's I love yeah. you. Keep talking. I love where you're at. Oh, um, I I wanted to make sure I reminded myself to ask you about this. So. You know, the objects that came close to Earth, what is it called? Mui yeah. Mui or Mori? I don't know. Mua, yes. Mua, uh, Mua, yeah. that's what it was, which, which I, well, I was laughing about. And I heard a gentleman on another paranormal program out of Oregon, um, and I was fascinated by him <laughs> talking about it. He was one of the gentlemen that discovered it. And But what they found, you know, was that reflection of light and that it was being pushed, you know, when that reflective side, like a solar sail. Yeah. And I was right. going to ask you if you've heard about that. It sounds like you obviously have because you knew the name. Yeah. Do, do you uh, think that? Do you think that was made by by someone? And maybe it's a probe, and it just happens to be passing through. Or what is that damn thing? Uh, Your guess. Okay. Well, it's not my guess, but I, it, it's a good guess. This is a good. It, this is a college try. I want to say. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now remember, in uh, Apollo thirteen, uh, they blew out a, a part of their command module ship. Right. Right. And they lost a lot of fuel in that uh, explosion. Yeah. And so they had those, used the. Yeah, one of those boosters ended up showing up, and it was doing the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, so what they did was what NASA said to do was to shut down everything, because the gravity of the moon would would then pull them toward it naturally. All they have to do is conduct the right speed. And if they could get conduct the right speed, then it means the moon would grab them through its gravity and pull it toward them. Okay. Um, so there's a line in the movie where Tom Hanks goes, Okay, we're in Sir Isaac Newton's Sir Isaac Newton is, is flying the ship or something like that. He makes a statement like that. But they're just using natural gravity in order to use as less fuel as possible. Right. Okay. Okay. So we have several different civilizations or several different types of civilizations. One, they're using fuel to go through transwarp drive. They build a wormhole and they, go, they slide through it. And they go through like 50 light years a second. I mean, it's just phenomenal, the speed. And then we have other civilizations, which we would expect. And that is they take the largest object in the solar system. That's the sun. And it has the largest amount of gravity uh, associated to it. So what they do is like a solar sail or like sailing on the ship, they adjust it so that it gets as much gravity pull as they can. Now, uh, asteroids and meteorites do this all the time. Halley's Comet does it all the right. time. Right. And so what the deal is, is that that's what it looked like. But then on the other side of the sun, it starts going into this orbit. And then all of a sudden it changes orbit and it has to remaneuver itself yeah, corrected course, right. right, right. Yeah, in Apollo 13, they did the same thing, but they, they, they did it too slow, and they had to use the booster to build them back up to speed again for reentry. Well, if you think of it in galactic terms, you know, if you think of it in galactic terms, there, now we have found 
uh, that every star, every planet has a different uh, gravitational code, has a different gravitational code. So the, like, so the Earth has one, Mars has a different one, Venus has a different one, okay? And from deep space, you can't see our planets. You may be able to see Jupiter, you might be able to see Saturn, but you can't see anything else, okay? But you can see our sun. So if, if we are a space-faring nation or globe or whatever, and we don't carry a lot of fuel with us, what we're gonna do is find a sun type the, the, the size and shape that we think will build a planet like ours. And our sun is very mediocre, if not kind of small. And if we're only looking for those types of suns, and we know that we can lock onto that gravity, that gravity signature, then all we have to do is go around and that will slingshot us out of the solar system with little or no fuel. They're, they're, there's absolutely no fuel involved in this. So they can drift from sun to sun and use next to no fuel. And what are they doing? They're just capturing 1935 Olympic trials with uh, in Germany. You know, they're reading our, our subspace, our RF signals from Howdy Doody to the yeah. assassin of yeah. JFK Making their way, way out in space. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, Drake sits back and says, oh, we're listening for signals. We're listening for signals. Well, what do you think everybody else is doing? We're a lower base planetary life using television transmission. Yeah, yeah television okay. and radio. Yeah. And what are they okay? What are they going to get if they came up to the same evolutionary process as we did? They're going to look for the same thing. They're going to look for uh, UHF, RF, radio, television, um, uh, uh, cell phone transmission. I mean, they're going to look for these things or high velocity satellite. And that means it's like GPS coordinates yeah. where you're. Yeah. You know, in real time, all this stuff is in real time. And yeah. that's what they're going to be looking for. So they're going to. So that's why they didn't come by the earth and say, hey, guys, welcome to the neighborhood, because they knew we were so primitive. There was no reason to even stop and get a hamburger. You know, that's your so second just, hamburger reference. You must be hungry. They, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm getting a little hungry. So they so they used the sun as their engine and slingshot themselves back out. And right. OK, so what you do is. When you're coming, okay, this was on Star Trek again, you know, they saved the wells this way. Okay, so what you do is when you're coming into the sun's gravity and you have another direction you want to go, you have to ride that on a certain parameter, a certain e elliptical plane. Yeah. And then as soon as you get past that plane, you have to adjust for the next target, the next sun. And then you, you slingshot, you adjust your ship, and then you slingshot it out, and it's like a big booster. Boom! Right, right. And then you're just headed off to the next side. And that's exactly what it did. Yeah, they called it and the parking exactly lot. You know, the parking lot or yeah. whatever they were calling it, but it there did been, just that. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, imagine this. There could have been 10,000 people on board that day, and we would never know it. Yeah. Or right. it was just a, it was an AI, you know, set up to do all these long missions. Uh, and I'll go back to Star Trek again. They when they uh, saved the whales, the reason why they had to go back in time to save the whales was because of this thing, this obelisk that came into the solar system was and was ionizing the ocean. I was going to kill everything on the planet just so this thing could talk to whales. Yeah, you see, there are no more whales. So, yeah, yeah, because the whales were the most intellectual, biggest brain thing on the planet. And they thought they were the intelligent species. Well, they probably are, but 
there was no more because they had been killed out. So, so these things are are out there. They're massive and they're big. Yeah. You know, we have okay. And like I was like I, was, I said this before. I'll, I'll, I don't know. I, I may be a little bit off of this, but there's like 40 people on the planet Earth looking for near Earth objects. If there's 60, I'd be surprised. Okay. So these things are planet killers that Mua Mua, if it hit the earth, would have destroyed. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no problem yep. at yep. all. Okay, so so we don't really have enough people looking for meteorites and asteroids. We don't have enough technology to divert them. Uh, we, we are too little too late. Now, there was an old movie with Sean Connery in it. This was old. It was called Meteor. Yep. And this meteor was going to come and hit the earth. And they launched, and they got the Russians to do this too, to launch all of the nuclear warheads at that meteor and, and blow it up. Okay. Um, and the risk, the only risk they talked about was that the radiation would come back into the earth's atmosphere. So they had to make, they had to wait until the meteor got close enough so it could be a target. They could target it, but yet far enough far away. Enough, yeah. So the, so the solar the solar winds would would take the radiation away. Well, when they blew it up, some of the fragments continued to Earth and fall in. That makes a dramatic ending of it all. But the whole idea was they were using nuclear weapons for a good thing. And then we we go through uh, two more uh, scenarios, movies, major motion pictures. One was Armageddon. I forgot the other one, but Armageddon with uh, Will uh, Bruce, Bruce Willis. Uh, yeah, Bruce yeah. Willis. Bruce Willis. Yeah, and then. On Netflix, that other one it says, "Don't look up." Oh it's yeah, I just watched kind of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, I was watching this uh, History Channel one day or Discovery Channel, and they had the ten things that would kill the Earth. You know, there's ten things that would kill the Earth, and they start off like with the first one, like plague, or you know, yeah. locusts or something. Yeah. Like that. You know, and then but the number one thing was. He didn't hit by a meteorite yep. or an asteroid. And they said, this is the this is the, the the most, the highest percentage odds of ending our planet is a meteorite strike or an asteroid strike. And we have 40 people looking for those things. I I just it just I just sometimes I just and, and I would ask again boggles you know. my mind. I know that maybe they wouldn't give a, a rat's patootie the way, but don't you think that the people who are here, our visitors here, would maybe put a stop to that? Because they could get caught in that, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, some of them have altered uh, these things out go. into deep space. Right. Uh, but there's one coming in that uh, they're not going to alter. Uh, I think they they weren't on the money with this one. But there is one that's going to swing by relatively close to the Earth, and it may cause some Earth changes, uh, some Earth effects. And that's really what I'm watching now, you know, uh, uh, future effects. Um, Getting back to the aliens, the aliens see us in some instances as a nuisance or a virus invading the Earth. And they could, they always say, they always admit, you know, we could do a lot better with your raw materials than you do, than you can. You know, uh, if you, if we just come down and make a base, you know, base of operations, we can run your society a lot better than you can. You know, they're always telling us, you know, that we're, 
behind the stick, we're behind the gun. Well, that's probably true. But hey, uh, if I had ten more, if I had ten thousand more pieces of DNA, I might be a little bit wiser too. I might, you know, uh, see it from their point of view. But uh, but anyway, so MUFON is an excellent organization, but for the past hundred years, man, they have been slow, 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 slow. And I don't see any progress with MUFON at all. Uh, not unless they're going to blow ships up when they see them. So um, all their primary cases deal with raw materials, raw materials. The Cape Girardeau crash, the Roswell crash, um, the, the, the Mexico border crash, uh, the uh, archaeological dig, uh, archaeological dig stuff. And uh, I had not heard this except when I brought it up. But there's a girl named Lynn Jacobson, or I'm sorry, Annie, Annie Jacobson. And she's done, she did a thing on YouTube about DARPA, the thinking that goes yep. into DARPA's head. Well, she says that DARPA and Jason are like handed fist or handed glove. Okay. And she goes, they have been doing this for 60 years. Well, I knew about the Jason Society or the Jason um, group for a long, long time. But she was the only one that brought it up. And what Jason is, Jason is part of the Majestic or the Sons of Aquarius. They're part of the Sons of Aquarius. And they go out and do all the retrievals, the crash retrievals. And where do they take that junk? <coughs> I'm sorry. Where do they take that junk? They take it to Westinghouse, IBM, uh, Bell Labs, uh, all these other places, and they store it out at S4. Bob Lazar said that he saw a UFO, a sports model UFO, that they had dug up in an archaeological dig. It was an archaeological dig. So it was 5,000 years old. So they've been here. And they dug it up. They're going to be here, was, yeah, I mean, it was still functional. So, so you know, I'm saying if we get the concept that this is not our planet and we should respect it a little bit more, then you know that's what we kind of really need to do. But um, but the Jason Society has been around forever, and no one ever talks about them. And Richard Dolan doesn't even talk about them because it, they're like covered up. They're buried under a bunch of you know black ops stuff. But there's also a uh, helicopter uh, group, uh, not the 185, but it, it, there's a helicopter group that goes out with these Chinook helicopters. Yeah, no marking. Big double bladed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're and they go out and they they also pull up if there's any uh, life forms or whatever. They'll 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 go out. They'll pick up whatever they can and they take it back to a base. You know. So um, so you have. Everyone involved, Air Force, Marines, Area 51, CIA, uh, you've got everybody involved, FBI. And so when you start talking about like men in black, which are from the old Syrian guard, uh, you get the men in black coming in, um, they can be from anywhere. McDonnell Douglas, McDonnell Douglas had their own men in black and they would infiltrate MUFON groups. I'm serious, man, to see, to get copies of the photos and to see what these people knew about the hardware. And then they would go back to McDonnell Douglas and try to recreate it. 
it's it's you know it's like life imitating art art imitating life it goes, it goes yeah it's mind-numbing you know, so yeah it's like a yeah. big circle yeah I, so I, I remember so, i remember uh elmer having a discussion we had a lady on from uh what was it terry ling uh terry terry ling kale i think is her name i'm getting her last name wrong um remember her elmer and she she is one of the directors on mufon and Elmer gave her a little poop about, well, you sure you want to admit that? And it was quite funny, but she, you know, she's, she was about bored at least telling us that they're trying to clean up their act because they've had issues too, you know, themselves yeah. privately. And she knows that things were going south, but then when you were to listen and I, you know, she's a wonderful lady, but then to listen to some of her stuff, it's just fantastical, you know, some of her stories. And, oh yeah. But, yeah. But I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying they're not doing good research, but I'm, I'm saying that you've got to be a, a super genius to go through all of that data and yeah. pull something out of it. Right. You know, uh, Chris Mullen is part of this back to the stars Academy. I'm not going to yank his chain too hard, but for Chris to sit there and lie to me on television or lie every time he gets interviewed that he didn't have the clearance to, to find it, to go to S4 and look at the UFOs is repugnant. It's repugnant. He's, that is, is, he's insulting all of our intelligence because we know that he had the highest clearance. His family is one of the wealthiest families in America. Uh, a few years ago, uh, PBS got a lot of their funding from the Mullen Foundation. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's his family. I mean, it's like saying Heinz or Rothschild. And he had the highest secret clearance i mean cosmic level he could go he could go to europe he could go to area 51 he go oh. he could go anywhere he could go anywhere and say show me the ufos and it, or show me whatever and then they would have to do it that was his clearance level and for him to say that he walked all over area 51 and there was only one shed that he never went into dude just show me your badge just walk in That's you know cool. don't sit there and don't don't try to tell me you're under the National Security Act like NASA, because you know Area 51 is under the National Security Homeland Homeland Security now, but it was National Security Act, uh, and so they don't have to divulge anything, you know. But but you're sitting there going, really, Chris, really, you're just going to sit there and tell me that you never had the imagination to go and walk around S4, dude. I you know, know. I know. I see a lot it's of like those, a lot it's of like interviews. Telling, it's like telling the, uh, the Rothschilds they can't go into the vault. You know, it's like the it's like the Rothschild saying, "Oh, I didn't check my vault today." What you check your vault every day, man? What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. You know, I, I don't get some of these guys. What, I mean, what do you I think really... about what do you think about Bob Lazar? I mean, a lot of people gave oh. him hell for years, and then more and more showing that he's right on target, man. Oh yeah, I I trusted him the first day he was he was in sitting in that uh, white van and George Knapp was running back and forth for him to answer questions. I I just knew he was a real thing straight right. out. I mean, right? Um, did they? Been, tamper? There's, been a, there's been a couple more of his colleagues too that have come forward too, right? In oh yeah, years oh, yeah. That, X, have, that have X, substantiated his story. <clears throat> CIA operatives, deathbed confessions, not only claim that they had been abducted. They claimed that the greys that abducted them 
that those were the same ships that they had out at Area 51 and S4. Okay. Um, and the reason why I knew Bob Lazar was telling the truth, I'll tell you why the only reason why Bob Lazar is in trouble today is because of element 115. He's supposed to have smuggled it out of S4 so he could do his own research on it. Okay, that's the only reason why he's in trouble. Okay, uh, who's that guy uh, lives over in Russia now? He stole all that NSA data. Um, Oh, I can't think of his I know who you're Blonder. talking about. Who Where's is that? Glasses? Remember, yeah, remember his name, Elmer? What's his name? I don't remember uh, his name. Everybody, everybody was exactly. calling him a traitor. And... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Even yeah. though yeah. he had like information on UFOs and stuff that he was oh, yeah. 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 releasing. Yeah. 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 The NSA clearly stated in a lot of these documents that we had no defense mechanism to defend us from these UFOs. Zero. Zero. Okay, so what does the Pentagon do? They come out with a press report and say, we find them no threat. <laughs> we, we find the UFO incidents are, have no threat to the national security of the nation. Yeah. So it's that's, just a, it, but that's they the twist first, it. But that's the first thing they tell people when you start telling on them. They it's a matter of national security. It's a threat. That's right. Well, that's not what you just said. That's not what you said. You know, so uh, so those internal memos, man, are are as hot as the next Harlequin book. You know, they're yeah. they're, they're hot. Yeah. You know, and so and that's why. Okay, Donald Trump was flushing. He was taking all these top secret memos and he was stripping them up and flushing them down the White House toilet. I mean, that's how that's how secretive you've got to be. You know, but this is. This is just where you go to Chris Mullen, you go to Lou, and you say, okay, guys, you don't have to lie anymore. You know, you just either say nothing, just say nothing, yeah, or and just fade away, and we'll all just think happily about you. But don't come to me and throw your badge in my face and then tell me you didn't have access. You know, that's that's double. That's a double. Yeah, and I think it's, I think I really believe know. the the majority of just my opinion only, folks. Don't send me hate mail. Um, I believe, in my opinion, that you know, I think a lot of us are ready to hear it. We're we're kind of tired of the stories. You know, we I can hear. I'm a big boy. I got my big boy pants on. Tell me, just tell me. Let everything out yeah. in the open. Then you know what? It becomes a moot point. Then you just right. you know, if there are people who just think they have to have all the information, want to know everything, you're not going to get it. But the fact right. is that yes, they're here. We're working with these people here, like you said tonight. Right. Here's what's going on. Okay. Just just tell yeah. us. Yeah, just tell us. Just tell us, man. I mean, I mean, we all we're all sitting here. We're not drinking our bath water and we're, no. we're not that inbred. I mean, I I know I could look pretty inbred, you know. Me too. I, yeah, given the I right this, lighting. I have this uh I have this new uh, sketch, you know, stand-up comedian where he comes out and he goes, you could be inbred. You know, if you think your first cousin's pretty hot, you're inbred, you know. But anyway, mm -hmm. the whole thing is, the whole thing is, is that uh, Charles Hall, military, Air Force, uh, went through Vietnam, was base stationed in Area 51, saw the tall whites. They had hangers for the tall whites. They had uh, an eating place a dormitory. So when the tall whites came in, they had a place to stay. It was like a, it was like a Hilton hotel out in the middle of the desert. And these guys flew in in their white capsules 
and they land and they get out, you know, just like a rest stop for them. I think that's the guy, oh. wasn't he? Wasn't the one that was he was meeting them in a certain place too, or was that a different guy from 51? There was another Air Force gentleman who spoke openly uh, that he would meet them at a certain spot. It's still on base land. He would meet them at a certain spot, yeah. out, go out in his truck. Sometimes he'd wait all night. He'd meet them. They'd have talks. Then he, they oh, would come no. in. You remember that gentleman? You know who I'm yeah. talking about? Uh, that sounds like uh, Lake Mead. That sounds like Lake Mead. Um, but no, Charles Hall was a uh, weatherman. He was a weatherman at Area 50. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I know who okay. you're talking about. Yes. And they came, you know, he just bumped into them by accident. And he says they were so foreign looking that he actually got sick and threw up the first time. He, yeah. he couldn't wrap it around his head. Okay. Well, come to find out, these tall whites um, would come right down into the base. And his generals, his the generals of the of the base were rubbing elbows with the generals of the tall whites. And they would walk around the base and they would hypnotize people and you know stuff like this. They would, you know, they would rag and sack through people's clothing and stuff like, you know, through the barracks. They had full uh, exposure to the whole base. Okay, so so Charles uh, Hall uh, got a chance to go into one of the, the spaceships. And inside the spaceships, when you see the chairs and the tables and some of the component parts, he says that all says Northrop, Boeing, McDonnell Douglas. So... Their replacement parts. So if they break something in flight here, McDonnell Douglas Northrop it's made here. Yeah. Yes, yeah. made here. They just replace Earth, it. The Earth is a parts depot. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's a truck stop. Yeah, it's it has Mark parts. Space has, station. You know, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And he, and he and he said that um, clear as a bell. He said that they have explored our area of space, and they said there are fourteen planets that we'll give to you. We'll, we like you humans a lot. We'll give you these 14 planets if you build us a, a base station, if you build us a landing pad, a hangar, uh, a dormitory, just like you have here at Area 51. If you would do that, we'll shuttle you and we'll supply you with all the equipment. And you, you can do that. And after Charles Hall got out of the military, those generals agreed to that. And they sent... U.S. forces to these fourteen planets to build. I was going to ask you that next. You know, yeah, I, I've heard stories. Them. Yeah, I've heard stories yeah. about that. So we we've already so, had a space force, guys. It's been out there for yeah. a long time. And then, and then Donald Trump says, "Oh, we we're going to make a new uh, a new division in our military." Okay, Space Command. Space Command has been there for forty freaking years. I know. And space Force. It, it had already existed. Yeah, isn't it already that crazy? Existed. When yeah. that came out, I, I applaud it. I still applaud it. I think it's yeah. cool. But but and, my thing was, it's like that's not a big surprise, guys. <laughs> no. And then and then what what did they do? So Trump unveils the logo, the logo of Space Looks, Command, and what's it look and it's like? It's the logo of Star Trek. It is. They plagiarized yeah. that logo straight yeah, out. Yeah. Which all and of us truck going, people, yeah, all of us truck people went hell yeah. But then we're like. This is too good to be true, man. It's, it's, it's really yeah, too good to be true. And so you're sitting there <laughs> saying, okay, okay, you have to back up and you say, okay, one of the richest, one of the guys of the richest families of the richest families in America is, is lying to me, for one. Bob Lazar is only under suspicion because he has element 
115, or so-called. Heavens knows if he does or not. And yet, when I go on Google Maps and I pull up Indian Springs, exactly where Charles Hall said the ships landed, and I see three ships and a dormitory or a big building, I'm sitting there going, who do I trust? Who can I trust? Yeah. If Okay, if NASA has signed the NSA Act, or the National Security Act, that means they don't have to inform us about anything. They don't have to tell us if we're going to get hit by a meteorite or if there's a supernova that's that going to tilt me. us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they close the campus. If, if they think there's an imminent threat, they will close the campus, of the, the NASA campus, so that no one can leave. And they can't even call out. So... So we've weaponized a lot of these, a lot of these departments. We've weaponized them for either fear or paranoia or yeah, whatever. On what, one yeah. hand, yeah. we don't want the public to know. But on the other hand, we'll trade, we'll go down to McDonnell Douglas and make you a new radio with no problem whatsoever, no charge to us. You just tell us, you know, what we can do for you. And and that's and that's where we're at. Yeah. And, so and and so we have. Space yeah, command, so, it's, yeah. it's guys, they're slipping it on our foot like you're putting a boot on slowly. That's exactly yeah. how I, I look at it. And that there's always things that have been there, these things have already been in existence. And through this, now that we know that this is a thing, you know, we're slowly being worked into it. You know, let's just admit oh, that. Yeah. So, oh, and yeah. then, and then I wonder what the training is going to be. What is your training in space command? You know, I'll tell you what it is. Out at Area 51, there was a retired engineer, and he said that he built, get this, a simulation chamber or, or like a flight deck for flying a sports model UFO. So it was designed for humans. It was <laughs> yep. designed for humans, so it was bigger. So they would get in there. Okay, this is something else. Uh, the guy who was over uh, the Skunk Works, uh, oh, man. Not Kelly Johnson. There's the last guy that just died, Richard something. Anyway, um, he said in a in a op interview, he said on video on tape, he goes, "We'll be able to fly. Our next jet fighters will just something stuck to your head yeah. through thought." Yep. Okay, through thought. I remember. That. Now that was in a that was in a movie called <clears throat> Firefox with. Uh, yep, Jamie uh, and. Uh... No, no, yeah. no, Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay. I was thinking of the other he, one. With yeah, 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 yeah. And he and he wears this uh, helmet. Still, and the helmet fighter. Yep. Right. He had to speak in think in Russian, uh, speak in Russian and think in Russian yep. for the plane to. Okay. So so here we go. They're talking about in Skunk Works flying a plane with your thought. Okay, with thought power, and this is very similar to brainstorming. Okay, but the other thing was that to fly the Tic Tac, you put it on the left side of your brain. You put it right up here. You, it's a suction cup. And they fly the Tic Tacs with their thoughts. And it's all electromagnetic grab technology. So the brain is electromagnetic. Right. So the, the Tic Tac imitates the thoughts of the pilot just like just like uh, uh just like that old movie so if it wants to hover it you just think hover you know slow down speed up 
you know, warp speed, Scotty, boom. And you're already, you're already out there. And these guys and these Tomcats and all this other stuff are sitting there going, oh my God, this is not ours. And, and Faber, Faber said, as any pilot should say, he said, I don't know what it is, but boy, I sure love to fly it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so here we have guys at Skunk Works saying, telling us flat out, you're going to fly the future airplanes with your thoughts or there'll be drones and you'll, and you'll think of them out into the space. So they won't even have, they won't even have a pilot. They had drone uh, operated. Yeah. They had that pilot um, from that Nimitz uh, crew that was out practicing that filmed that. Well, several objects that he said had been going on for years. He's now out, you know, he's retired out. Yeah. A uh, young yeah. guy, you know, and he was talking and he said, listen, this was 20 feet from my canopy at one point. And they wanted to know what it looked like. He goes, well, it was a, it was a, a square, a block that was either black or dark gray. And there was there was a there was a um, a sphere around it. And the lady goes, what do you mean a sphere? How could you see it? He goes, well, because it must have been energy because it had an outline and you could see when it would turn and move. It was inside yeah. a sphere. And he said yeah, it was literally and, 20 feet from his canopy, people. He got a yeah, great look so, at it. He said it, it was, and he said it was quite large, but it was doing all these things, and off it went. <laughs> you know, okay. Crazy. I'll give you two examples. One, that was on an old Star Trek episode. And then the other one is that uh, every orb entity has the same sphere around it. So that is an energy sphere electromag- electromagnetic uh, energy electromagnetic yeah. uh, bubble yeah, yeah electromagnetic bubble yeah. and and so you know uh when when the pentagon says oh they were seen flying pigs or flying sheep <laughs> trust us trust us they're not a threat trust us they're not a threat because my brother's married to the princess of another planet you know, you don't know. You don't know where they're coming from. Yeah. But they, if we're swapping technology from 19 in the 1960s with these guys, the tall whites, then that's just blowing my mind right out because it yeah. makes Bob Lazar look more credible every every well, second. Look at all the yeah. Look at everything that's going on around you and in your house and things you're using. I mean, the jump, as you said, the jump. And I, I asked you that before. Yeah. Everything yeah. has been this leap within a short amount of time. And they, I think that they bleed in, in a good way. I think they bleed a little bit out at each, each time that we use for everyday life. That way we're happy, content, and yeah. we're distracted, right? Yeah, we're distracted. We are the distracted, distractive race. I mean, yeah. it, we're so close to dogs and squirrels. All you do is, you know, put something they, shiny in front of us. Oh, wow, we got to watch. We got you know, yeah, for, for, me, it's, for me, it's boobs. You, you, you dangle boobs in front of me, and you might <laughs> forget about talking to me. Whatever floats the boat. But then, whatever floats okay. the boat. And then we've got it all these days. And, and anyway, so so everyone goes, well, gee, Lynch, that's a, that's a lot of stories, but where's your evidence? And I go, right. well, let's just go to this NASA website from the SOHO satellite, and we'll just pull up some solar photographs that our satellites take of the sun. And when you pull up those photographs and you see 10 Earth-sized ships that have 9 billion people on approximately each one that are galaxy-classed. Now, there are some that are not galaxy-class. They're smaller, but they're the other ones that are the size of the Earth, and they are galaxy-classed. And you, and when you see that, it wipes whatever you know about physics and UFOs and 
whatever just right off the shelf because these galaxy class ships take a thousand years to build they're manned by you know military as well as civilian they can travel to any planet any star in our galaxy refuel if need be and then go right back to their base and like i said they can travel you know, between five to 50 light years per second and never break Einstein's rules of relativity. Yeah, that's nuts. So, so if you, if you, if you, you know, could digest this like a, like a good steak, if you can digest this, it really means that we don't really know. I mean, we're blind and we've been kept in the dark all this time. So, whether it's uh, Zeta Reticulans or Pleiadians or Andromedans or Syrians or Reptilians or whatever, they're all vying for resources. They're all vying for uh, survival, survival, and 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 they see us as just kind of in the way. We're just a bunch of monkeys. Uh, we're just kind of in the way. Yeah. And they sometimes they like to shoot us away. But then again, you know, a good war. I, mean, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, the. Uh, the Eternals. Yeah, I haven't Eternals. seen it, but I'm aware of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's on, uh, what is it on? Prime or Hulu Plus. or Netflix? Disney uh, Plus. Disney Plus. Yeah. Disney Plus. That's it. Disney Plus. Yeah. Okay. If you watch that, there, there's a there's a, a scene in there to where that the great brain says, you can do anything you want, but you don't prevent them from going to war. And then they do prevent them from kind of going to war. And then suddenly they, they just forget it. And the, they're sick. They're sick. There's being seen in Nagasaki and Hiroshima. And they're all like, Oh, been out of their shape. Like, Oh, we can stop this. We can save this. But the whole idea was that these super beings wanted the, the people to die. So there's only a certain amount of population and brain power on the planet. And so there's a scene where this guy goes, here, here's a steam engine. I, we can give them real technology in a steam engine. And um, one of them goes, oh, that's just way too complex for these idiots. Uh, do something simpler. And he goes, okay, how about a plow? And it shows a wooden plow. And that's the you know, revolutionary. That's as far as we can go at that time. So it's like these... They give us just enough so we don't blow ourselves up, but not enough to show us the real final result. Right, right. You see, and then that's that's the whole key. But uh, wow, there's a lot to so, take in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so chasing UFOs and seeing UFOs is fun. It's kind of like going ghost hunting. It's fun. It's an adventure. But when you get to the point of when they look back and see that you're interested in them then we get on a whole different scale. And uh, this is where, you know, uh, you got, you have to change your priorities, change your, everything has to change because, because they're coming at you like entities will come at you when you least expect it right out of the blue, you know, at least, at least things. But at the same time, it's, you know, not unexpected. It's yeah. not unexpected. If you go back into our history far enough, it's not unexpected. Yeah. And that is, um, we should be expecting this. We should be expecting contact, you know, and, and, and uh, Stephen Hawking says, you know, I don't want contact because 
if we have contact, they're going to blow us up. They're going to find us very primitive and blow us up or kill us. I'm just going, dude, they're already doing that now. They're not standing in the way of any war. Yeah. They're not coming we're in. Doing it to ourselves. And, yeah. We're doing it to that when a CME comes out of the sun and, 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 and takes the 40 of the uh, SpaceX uh, satellites down. You know, when a CME does that and the, and the gravitational field of the Earth isn't that great, they're not standing in the way. You know, all we've got is the moon to stand in our way, and that's only during an eclipse. Yeah. But, but like I said, they're not, they're not going to truly save us. They're going to help us understand, but they're not going to save us. We've got to do that ourselves. Yeah, I and think there's, where, more, there's more good attached to it than, you know, that, yeah. that you've said than them just like, ah, whatever. And if they die off, they die off. I don't believe that that's right. how they think. I would like to think, yeah. like you said, you know, it's like the Bible term, you know, God helps those who help themselves. That's a true <laughs> statement right there. And I yeah. think that's probably their, their same way of thinking, according to you. And I, I would agree yeah. with that. I, I yeah. That's the way it should be. That's the way it so, should be. So think about the UFOs and the aliens, half military and half uh, businessmen. Half military and half businessmen. And that's how you got to think of them. So they're out in virtually martial law ships. I mean, just like any aircraft carrier or battleship, it's a form of martial law. But if they go out and find something and discover something, it's theirs and they can sell it back to the rest of the game. You see? Gotcha. I do. And then, that, you know, that's kind of the idea. Um, and believe you me, we have no weapon. We have no weapon uh, at all to defend ourselves from these guys. It's going to to get down to, you know, we've got to grow up. Our conscious level has got to increase. I'm not saying it's super smart. I'm just saying, you know, just don't throw your trash away, you know, on the street or whatever. You know, just clean up after yourselves and be nice to your neighbors. We just need to get along in a strange way because we, you know, as we are judged, as they judge us, we can judge them. But since they're on a higher plane, they go, well, you know, sticks and stones, you know, but words right. will never hurt us. And that's and right. that's kind of the thing. That, that's the na-na-na boo-boo that they, they give to us all the time. We can always help them. And we have helped them, but not to the level of being equal to them psychologically or anything else yeah i get you um, and, and that's and that's the thing so like i said you know, i'll footnote this to like michael horn check that out check him out check out uh, bob lazar and uh check out uh uh stephen greer stephen greer's you know doing that as uh, close encounters of the fifth kind and there are a couple of psychics out there that claim that they talk to extraterrestrials of a great great deal so what the project I've been on um, lately is the time traveler um, situation. How much time do we got left? We got um, a little bit. Keep going. Okay. 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 Well, anyway, there was this tr- time traveler from the year um, 2438 or something like that. And he's come back to this year because this year is supposed to be the most devastating year in all of man's history, in all of mankind's history. So uh, he, he put some things on TikTok and how he did, I don't know how he did it. But anyway, he put some predictions on TikTok and he says these things in a strange way. And you can tell by the, the, uh, 
you can tell by his vocabulary, he's not an older person. He's a younger person. And so this came across my desk and it was like, should we look into this? And I said, yeah, I think we should look into this. And so we took all of his uh, predictions, all of his predictions, and someone else has taken all these predictions and put them in a video um, that's on, he uh, put them on a video that's on a YouTube and it's called uh, the one TikTok time traveler or just put in one TikTok time traveler and they will, uh, you'll go to, you see it on YouTube. And someone has put them in chronological order, but we were doing it before that came out. Anyway, so I pulled in all my resources I could. And first of all was, is this guy really a time traveler? And it came back kind of, yeah, he's a time traveler. But we all know that real time travel doesn't uh, appear in 2438. It appears in 2036. The military put together a land-based time travel machine and they actually jump through time. Okay, well, for him to say that he now owns the practical version of public usage, uh, it, 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 it's around long before that. So that's not correct. He's, but that's no, weird. Why would it be open to the public? You can just time travel. Anybody can time travel, right? They Because they go on <laughs> vacations. Oh, okay. Future, well, that makes you sense. You could go. You go to any time you want, but you can't disturb it, and you'll be on vacation. So uh, remember when uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, was in that movie, and they went into your brain and they created this spy Total scenario. Recall. Total Recall. What was it? Total Recall. That's it. Well, this is the same thing, but you actually go through time. And so, for his recreation, he came back. He, he says he came back earlier than this, and he put out some predictions of who's going to win certain sporting events and things like that. Well, he was correct on that, but that had already been published if he says he came when he says he did. Okay, so he says 2022 is going to be the worst year uh, the Earth will ever see. And he starts nailing off some things. And then he says at the end of all that, he goes, oh, yeah, there's going to be this asteroid that's going to whiz by Earth in 2024. 2024. And it's going to mess up a lot of things. And you go, what are you, what are you saying? Everything he predicted in 2022 can be and only can be the result of a crossing of an asteroid. So he talks about earthquakes and tidal waves and volcanoes going off. And you sit there and go, well, that doesn't make any sense. And then we get the asteroid? No, that doesn't make any sense at all. So so in his timeline, that may have been the correct flow of time, flow of events. But when we investigated it, all of the events that he talks about was created by the passing of this asteroid. How could he have gotten the, the years and the dates so messed up? And that's why I don't understand. Okay, maybe in his timeline, that was correct. And... We have to take it kind of like from his point of view. But in our timeline now, something has completely changed. And this asteroid is already headed toward Earth. And so all of a sudden, okay, well, we kind of do the analysis. We run the scenario. And all of a sudden, I just pull up the volcano, the volcano map. And at first, there was like 10 volcanoes. Now there's over 70 erupting volcanoes all day, all, all the time. 
and that's a tremendous amount. There have been more earthquakes in the past few weeks. Yep. On the, uh, you know, the, the ring of fire in northern Washington State, in Oregon, California, yep. and you go the all the way around. Yeah. Yeah, and the larger tornadoes and the rains and flooding. And, and that we all pulled out. We pulled that out. And so I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, you know, what else can go wrong? Well, um, it creates a massive tidal wave. And, it, and he says this is called the Great Wave. And it's actually written down in his history. It's like a, it's like a ceremonial thing. And so we found out that, yeah, there'll be a giant tidal wave that will come into the West Coast of America, um, uh, Oregon and Washington, and also the West Coast of England and the West Coast of Europe will have this massive tidal wave. And the only way that tidal wave can happen is if this asteroid is pulling out, you know, the, the low tide, you know, pulling water away from us and then slapping it right back. So, so, I mean, we deal with the paranormal and this is, this is kind of a big chunk of to, to chew on. Right. So we broke it down to say, okay, could we put this in some type of chronic chronological order? And the best way we came up with was it has to start with this asteroid. Okay. So NASA in its long range telescopic uh, view, I don't want to get scared anybody, but in their long range telescopic view did find an asteroid coming in from the asteroid belt. And this independent reporter saw it, and he must be a grad student or something, but he says, this is not an, any trajectory that I have ever seen about asteroids. You know, it's not taking the right path. So I'm thinking maybe this is it. Maybe, maybe they got it, but they're not tracking it. And like I said, there's only like 40 people on Earth that are tracking the near-Earth uh, near Earth asteroids, near-Earth near rubble, everything from satellites to rocks and other other debris so so anyway so nasa may already know about this and then i get a report okay now bear with me on this putin president putin of russia gets an envelope every day of which aliens are on the earth and where they're at with his nuclear football okay our president doesn't get that that goes to someplace over the DOD or uh, NSA or CIA. Okay, so so you're sitting there going, okay, Putin gets the report of how many aliens are on the Earth, and then you see that list disappear because they've evacuated. And then you go, hell, uh, are we staring down a barrel of a gun that no one's telling us about? Not even our own space agencies. Boy, this, this gets right on the edge. So, so in the next week or so, if we get some earthquakes out in California, man, this, this, is, this is going to be one of those passings, those passings that no one's going to report on until it's over with. Yeah. And then I mean, they're going to say. The shit and fan, yeah. Yeah, and then they're going to say, oh, well, we just didn't see it in time. You know, oops, stuff happens, shit happens, you know. And, and then that's it. But. But some of these extraterrestrial races have already evacuated. I remember in Men in Black that uh, that that ship was coming in and going to blow up the Earth because they wanted the uh, galaxy, and uh, all these other ships were like launching off. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, 
that, 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 that's pretty close if you see that earthquake map. So you can go to my Facebook page. All that is on my, my Facebook page. And you'll see you'll see stuff that you've never heard of before because uh, it's coming out of the DOD and they are putting now lasers right out of Star Trek, right on these fighters. And they are launching these fighters with no ammunition up. And they are shooting from the curvature of the earth, 21 miles straight to blow up whatever they target. So if there's a missile being launched at hypersonic speed, who cares? These guys just pull the button and boom, they're gone. A stealth plane flies by. Hey, if it's on radar and it can be targeted, boom. Okay, so then you have uh, these Tic Tacs flying around. And you've got a particle beam laser strapped to your belly of that plane. I mean, if you fail, okay, if your radar gets jammed, that means war. That's a declaration of war. If they jam your signal or jam your airplane, you have the right to fire on them. Well, they're not, we're not going to use missiles, air-to-air -air missiles. We're going to use full-blown phaser banks. So how far have we come? <laughs> the Alan Parsons project was in the 60s. And we have now lasers on the bottom of the fastest fighters that America can make. And you have shared a my, lot tonight. <laughs> yeah, go go to my go to my Facebook page. You'll be you'll be uh, you know it'll shock you. Yeah, and there's a CIA yeah. agent on there who, who confesses on his deathbed and things like that. But it's like, um, folks, we are not living in the '60s and '70s. And Dwight D. Eisenhower is not in the White House. We are um, become we have become a feral nation and a rogue society, and people need to start seeing that the government is just providing money for itself. It doesn't care if you pay taxes or not. And no, it doesn't even care. It just creates money out of thin air to stay in business. It's like a car creating gas so it can keep running over and over and over. It keeps mm -hmm. on rolling down the street. And then you get to Chris Mellon. I hate to bring that up again. But Chris, dude, you're the richest family in the freaking planet. You don't need your retirement. You can say anything you want. You say the air is pink, you know, just tell us the truth. I know you opened those doors. I know you saw that stuff and it's repugnant. It's it's insult our intelligence to say that you didn't see that. Bob Lazar even says that he may have, yeah, he, well, he did. He did admit it to the public, but to um, John Lear, I think it's John Lear, uh, whose dad invented the, the Lear, uh, Lear aircraft. He told Bob Lazarov told John Lear that he saw and was working with an, uh, a Zeta Reticulum. And then you turn right around and a guy named Bob, Bill, sorry, Bill Uhouse, Bill Uhouse is on tape several different times stating he worked with an extraterrestrial, a Zeta Reticulum on Area 51's base. And then you have. Uh, uh, you have the sergeant, uh, that sergeant, oh my God, I can't ever think of his name. But anyway, you have a sergeant and he was a, a an entity interpreter and he was on a blacked out bus going to Area 51. And when they got out of the hangar, there was a little gray standing there and they all got out and lined up and the little gray comes over to him and says, I will talk to him. And he was 
it was all telepathic. Um, uh, yeah. So, so you're sitting there going, okay, Chris, lie to me. Okay. Lie to me because I've got four or five other guys who won't. So either you look like an idiot or they look like an idiot, one or the other, but I don't think that they're all telling me the same story that they're all idiots. And, and NASA had to get permission because I've got more witnesses saying that they heard that coming out of the director of NASA's mouth. Oh, there's a lot of things that, NASA's been hiding. That we had to get permission, that we had to get permission up. to go to space. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, so, tell. I don't know if this yep. is, I don't know if I answered any of your questions or not. You I'm did. You covered everything I wanted you to, and, okay, and more, sorry, and more. No, I, that's um, why I, this is see, why we I like had, having you on the show. We want you to just take yeah. your stuff and run with it. Um, oh, that's ten buck too. Yeah, um, yeah. I, uh, people were tell, asking me before about UFOs and ancient Egypt, and I said, yeah, there's a couple of cases where the there were so many UFOs that the pharaoh got mad and he had it written down and in his kingdom log that on this day there were four or five white white things, white balls that appeared above. Uh, above Pharaoh City or whatever, and he says they become quite annoying. Well, there was an, there's another th chapter that says that the Pharaoh is going to be attacked by like a hundred thousand Hittites or whatever. I forget what it was, but they had walked down to Egypt. They'd marched down there, and Pharaoh was outnumbered like three to one. And he goes, "Oh shit!" He goes, "We're going to lose everything." So he rallies his troops and he sits and prays to his God. Okay. Well, the next thing you know, this UFO ship comes out and just boom, those 100,000 enemy soldiers are gone, dead, just dead. And um, so Pharaoh goes back home and says, the gods are on our side, you know, and that's the way we looked at it for a very long time, right. very long time. So, so, you know, I, I have the, I have the saying, like, you may have been a god but we have grown old and we've grown beyond you you know yeah and and that's where we need to start thinking like we're not we're not entertained by all your magic anymore oh what was that what was that a lightning my, i don't lightning? know my damn lights a couple times i've done that i think we're running but, the washing machine who knows yeah but anyway so I, I i say you know we we need to have grown up and we we no longer see it as we're, we're frightened children in right. the dark uh, we have grown past you. Now, I, I want to drop one last little tidbit bomb for those who care. Um, Nancy Leader uh, was talking about Zeta Reticulans, and she was also talking about Planet X, and Planet X was coming by and all this other stuff, and everybody should be aware, aware of it, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay, well, it did come by. It's not coming by. It did come by, and it's already you know, left our solar system. The extraterrestrials intervened on this particular project and gave them all the gold that they needed because Fort Knox is empty and most of the Canadian and Russian banks are empty. There's, we have no gold reserve anymore. And so the Anunnaki were going to return and just devastate us because we didn't keep the sacred oath of producing more gold. And so this other extraterrestrial race came in and said, okay, don't bother those human beings. You know, we're, we're watching them now. You know, you, you guys screwed up in the past. We're, we're, you know, so here's all your gold. 
just go on and everything will be fine. Yeah, I almost and, thought you were, I almost thought you were going to end that on a very horrifying note. Yeah, <laughs> like, they're no, coming it, for it, us it was, and we're done. <laughs> was, no, it was like, yeah, they could have done that. They could have right, done that. Their, right. techno- their technology and it was that capable. Well, they have my so, thanks if they helped us out. Yeah, they did help us out there on that on that situation. And probably a couple of other little situations which we uh, well, I know about, but it, you know, but we'll never know the general populace. But let me just say this is that when they go to war, when the extraterrestrials do go to war and they use these galaxy class ships uh, in a 45 minute afternoon, in, in 45 minutes, uh, 15, 20 billion people will have perished on both sides. Uh, one ship carries, you know, 9 billion people. So if you destroy, if two or three are destroyed, then that's a, that's a lot of, that's a lot of problem. They have their wars too, you know, and, and they're protecting this quadrant of the galaxy just so us little children can maybe have a chance to grow up. Yeah. Let's hopefully we get that. I have no idea. Yeah. Tell, tell everybody, Dr. Lynch, where they can find you Facebook and otherwise. And I'd yeah, seen you on, uh, I'd seen you on a recent podcast, and if you're out there doing those, tell them where you can find. They can all find you. Uh, well, I forgot the name of that. Po- oh, big. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't forget. I was uh, Bigfoot and the Bunny. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like over uh, there. Yeah, good people. Chris Carr is a good guy. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I forgot the name of his co-host, but uh, they're good people and they're very knowledgeable. And so they kind of, you know, they hit me on a few things. Uh, I'm on Facebook. Look under Paranormal News or Doctor or, or Michael Lynch Paranormal, and I'm also on YouTube on uh, just Michael Lynch on YouTube. And you can type up uh, some of the stuff in back. You know, E equals I. That was the latest video I did. It's 12 minutes long, but I'm just saying that um, you know it's the old saying that everything, nothing, and then everything is in the paranormal. And that's the way we always need to be looking at it, kind of reverently, and it is in the paranormal, whether we're talking about UFOs or aliens or whatever. Uh, Barry Taft just produced a book. I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. But he, called, he said, uh, aliens above, uh, ghosts below. And somewhere in the middle is the human race, you know, somewhere in the middle. And he was on Coast to Coast the other night. And again, you know, Barry, you're doing a good job. But I, I, you know, he has a hard time seeing where this is all going. So this last little bit is, it's not, it's not what you see or where you're going with your data. It's how you reverse engineer it that gives you your insight. So Adam Smith, the great economist, said, um, you find a pencil on the ground. I'll end with this. You find a pencil on the ground and you're amazed because it took woodworking, it took lead mining, it took a, a rubber plant, it took a piece of metal, and it takes the sharpener to sharpen it. Everything there had to have been pieced together by a very intellectual society for, for that to work. But if I don't take it apart, if I don't reverse engineer it, I'll never understand its purpose or its meaning, you see. I'm just using it as a tool. So. So that's the whole idea that we, I look at in the paranormal world, we have to reverse engineer it. We have to start working backwards from it down to its smallest infantile state. And whether that's a, a bolt from a UFO or right. a 
uh, you know, a high chair from something else. Uh, it is all data, it's all there. And then, and remember when they found uh, Gigantopithecus, they found only some molars and they were called dragon teeth because they were these big honking molars, the lower jaw. And from those little few teeth, rebuilt Gigantopithecus completely. And that was reverse engineering. Yeah. And that's really how we had to look at the paranormal world, UFOs, ghosts, all your equipment uh, is, is think of it backwards. And then that will get you to go forward. Then you'll understand what it is. So thank you very much, gentlemen. You've been great. I, I, is it over? Is it over? Oh, shucks. I guess it's over. Yeah, we're not done yet. Um, yeah, I appreciate you being with us. And I want to tell everybody, too, on, on the our network, which is Unrestricted Paranormal. If you guys look down at the bottom banner, those of you watching, it's spelled unrest, R-X-T-D, paranormal.com. We have a page over there dedicated to Dr. Lynch. It's called the Lynch Factor. And I oh, search right. I search and look for a ton of your things, doctor. And anything that I find <laughs> that's new, which you, you've told me you've done some new things, um, yeah. I'll go send me some links and I'll, I'll go search it out. And then I put it on that page. You folks can yeah. come over to our page anytime, his page rather, uh, on our yeah. network. And you can keep up with, with doctor and, and a lot of the great things he has to say. And I, I got to tell, tell him again before we end the program, I love his paranormal zens because I can listen to that all the way to the end, but his voice is so soothing. It about puts me to sleep. And I mean that in a good way because I retain everything he says. But it is yeah. very relaxing, and it, and he he knows what he's doing, and I love that whole Star Trek Enterprise one that did. That was absolutely oh, yeah. fabulous. Yeah, I had I had several people who are not even Trekkies like that episode. Oh, so it's, I it's, that well done, cool. sir. Well done. And that's um, kind of what I want to do in the future. So right, right. Well, thanks for coming on with us, uh, Elmer. Thank you. Thank Go you. Go ahead Anytime. and send us out. Thank you, yeah. Elmer. Thank you, Mr. Thank Lynch. You. Oh, it's been a pleasure every time, gentlemen. Hey, Michael, we need to get together here in the next few days. I got something to tell you that you are not going to believe. Okay. Well, you're going to believe. You're going to believe, but it's just something. I want to believe. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was watching one of your shows the other day, and you were interviewing, I think, a girl. I don't know. I forgot who it was. Christy Robinette. And then you, you used my name. Yeah. And I thought, and I thought, Oh my God. You know, it was like, no wonder my ears were burning. They were using, no, I'm just kidding. No, I it, was, it, was, you, it was cool. I, it was cool that you, you give me like a, a footnote. You give me a footnote and it's like, wow, that's cool. No, no one ever does that. And normally. No, no, you know, no. I respect, I respect I wanna, you and your work. I just wanna, yeah. Yeah. I just want to say, I just want to say on spaced out radio, if you go to the, the uh, YouTube site, I think it is on spaced out uh -huh. radio, they have the, the, the spaced out radio round table, I think it's called. And they have like five guys in Zoom or whatever. And, and they are so pessimistic and cranky. It's like a bunch of old women, you know, hens cackling. Well, we don't know what this, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was like, dude, get out of the business. If you're sitting there complaining for three and a half hours. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, dude, find another hobby. Go bowling, get drunk, you know, get into a fight or something. But don't sit there and rag on the paranormal and everybody who's in it really oh, trying to yes, do something sir. with it. You know, when these guys can't. And I said, well, that's just the difference between us and the Canadians is that, you know, they got too much moosehead beer up there. Yeah, that's we, we eat real say. bacon, not that thick 
you know, that's half right from we, a pig's ass. Come on now. Oh man, what time I was over in France? I was over in France and I wanted bacon on my hamburger or whatever. And so when it came out, it was like we were at like a McDonald's. It came out and it was just like Canadian bacon sliced and put on there. And I go, man, you guys don't have no idea what bacon is. Anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My wife goes to France. And I love I go, my goes, Canadian goes brothers, man, but you know, come on. Yeah. Come my on. wife goes to Canada and she orders uh, bacon because she sees it on the menu, like bacon. And they bring out these little slices. And then she goes, Oh, no. She goes, You got, she goes, I now know what my husband went through yeah. uh, because I was just so shocked that they didn't put <laughs> bacon, you know, uh, on their uh, hamburger properly. And it's like, I, I didn't have a decent breakfast until I was in England, and they came out with eggs, bacon, toast, and English breakfast. Yeah, with all the yeah. Sometimes they that. had hash browns. Or, yeah, it was like, yeah. oh man, kiss this woman, you know, absolutely, kiss this little Brit. But they knew how to cook breakfast. They could they couldn't cook anything else, but breakfast, man, they we'll, we'll give they them did that it right. Yeah. So Elmer, send us out, man. Tell everybody what to do. All right, keep your ass to the skies. Yes, sir, and happy haunting. And my two cents are, if you can't be kinder and smarter, be quieter. Don't drop the soap. Thank you.